Hello, I'm Jeff Lester, and welcome to Wait, What? A comics and pop culture podcast coming to you from the not-so-solitary fortress that is WaitWhatPodcast.com. The end of March is here, and with it comes news about Diamond Comics distributors halting for two months in the face of the COVID-19 pandemic. Graham McMillan and I spend a full hour discussing the news, the rumors, and the ramifications of this challenging time for the direct market in the U.S. comics industry. Then, in our second hour, we talk about our entertainment self-care regimen, including Breeders, Robocop, The Immortal Hulk, Justice League Detroit, Blissful Land, and much more in this very nearly two-and-a-half-hour episode. Comments on this episode are available at waitwhatpodcast.com. Send us your questions at waitwhatpodcast at gmail.com, and we invite you to look out for us on Twitter, Tumblr, Instagram, and Patreon. As always, we hope you enjoy and thank you for listening. Jeff Lester! Graham McMillan! Howdy! Jeff, I've got a question. Sure. Imagine for a second you are a seasoned PR professional. <laughs> okay? Okay. And imagine that there is... Uh, there, there's something that, you know... There's there's an announcement you've got to make. There's a release you've got to get out there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you know a lot of people are waiting for it. Right. Right, because you've had people ask you for it mm-hmm. for for let's say a week. Right, right. When would be a good time to put that out? Uh, I'm going to go with Saturday at one p.m. Graham. Well, if you if you'd said Saturday at two, you would have been right. <laughs> I would have been the person at DC who decided to release their yep. uh, a statement to retailers. Yep. Uh, what? Yeah. Well, I mean, as you know, it's the the PR people can only do so much. I, I, I was going to say, actually, I, yeah. I am being like actually really like mean because I've spoken to the PR people. I'm not joking daily yeah. for a week. And I know that this is something that they have wanted as much as me. Oh, I'm sure. I'm um, sure. That said, the fact that it was released on Saturday is still kind of mind-blowing to me. Mm-hmm. Like. I didn't you just hold it over to Monday at that point? Yeah, right. Well, I, you know, right. Well, uh, I mean, yeah. At, at the same time, like it wasn't a, like it was a it was a message to retailers. It wasn't necessarily a, a press release per se. Mm-hmm. And I guess you do want to get that out as quickly as possible. Indeed. Do you? Uh, I think it, in for a penny, should, in for a pound. Should, do you wanna... should I should I um, read the statement? Is what you're saying? Absolutely. To direct market retailers, first, the entire team here at DC hopes that you, your family, and your employees are staying safe and healthy during this very tough and precarious time. We know that you have been waiting for DC to comment on the state of affairs and to address any measures we will uh, take to help our community lighten the burden of the disruption to our business, and we've been working hard on a long-term solution-focused plan. Here is how we will help. Periodicals and books with in-store dates between March 18th, 2020 and June 24th, 2020 will be fully returnable. We'll even provide credit for your separate return shipping of these items only. Additionally, because we anticipate that continued disruption to business operations will create regional volatility, DC, <coughs> excuse me, DC is exploring a multi-distributor model to provide us with the flexibility needed during this crisis to get new content to our readers on an ongoing basis. In the short term, we will continue to engage in active conversations with Diamond to help us solve the distribution issues that have arisen and to hope to get new product to stores that want or need it as soon as possible. We will provide additional information about how we'll make that happen in the coming days. Thanks for your patience with us. DC will continue to monitor the situation, continue to speak with you directly, and continue to support you through the days ahead. You are the lifeblood of this industry. All the best, the DC team. 
Right. Now, for those who are joining us already in progress, by which I mean last week we had a drock and the world has moved, the week before that was a skip week, so I believe the world has moved very quickly yeah, in the last... Right. A, a lot has happened. Yes. A lot has happened. Yeah. It's so much has happened that, Jeff, it's literally less than a week since Diamond said they're going to shut down Oof. Uh, right. shipments. Right. So, uh, and, and so a, a lot has happened. Um, it's been wacky as shit mm-hmm. reporting on this this week. Yeah, I'm sure. Uh, I'll get to that in a second. But basically what everyone has missed is um, – what started as a disruption to retail in certain areas at shelter-in-place notices um, then got – oh, I should say that disruption got had a lot of retailers, understandably, looking to publishers for um, guidance as to what to do mm-hmm. because product was going to be released. And that's a problem if, A, you can't sell it mm-hmm. and B, people can. It's right. also a problem when you're going to get shipped it mm-hmm. and you're – expected to pay for it mm-hmm. you know those are real issues yes so a lot of retailers um even just like two weeks ago mm-hmm. were basically asking diamond and the retailer and the publishers how are you going to help us mm-hmm. what are you going to do and image was the first to step up and say we're making everything returnable for 60 days and then you had some smaller publishers aftershock did it vault did it um, I think Oni did it as well. Mm-hmm. Took some variation of something's going to be returnable. We're going to delay some product. Um, like for example, Vault said we're not re- releasing anything in April. Mm. All of our April releases are going to be delayed. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of publishers stepped forward and said we're basically going to reassess our schedule. Right. Marvel, being Marvel, <laughs> said we're not making anything returnable. Right. We're not doing anything, but we are going to up your discounts, which is nuts to me. Mm-hmm. Like, not helpful at all. Mm-hmm. But all of this became moot when, on Monday, Diamond said, we're not shipping anything uh, after April 1st. Wow. In fact, we're not even shipping April 1st. Mm-hmm. Uh, anything that's dated April 1st or forward, you're not going to get for the foreseeable. Wow. Like, we don't have an end date either. Mm-hmm. We're not shipping anything. Which shuts down the print side of the the comic book industry. That's right. Like, and a lot of people have have said like that's not true, or you know you're exaggerating. And I swear I'm not. Like, if you consider the number of publishers who have exclusive distribution deals with Diamond, yeah, Diamond saying it's not releasing stuff, pretty much shuts down. You know, more than th- three quarters of yeah, the like eighty five percent of the market or something like that. Yeah. And yeah. to be fair. By the time that Diamond said that, more than half of the U.S. garment market was closed anyway. Mm-hmm. Like, the, the people worked out how much the stores that were closed. You like in New York and California, um, how how much actual value to the market they represented, and it was more than half. Of course, yeah, right. So, so there was a lot gone anyway. So, Diamond, in many ways, was just responding to. I mean, honestly, a reality, a market yeah, reality. Absolutely. Um, so Diamond said, we're not releasing. Mm-hmm. Um, and and in doing so, honestly, pretty much made all of the, like, especially Marvel's, like, we'll give you more discounts. Mm-hmm. Like, made that moot entirely. Yeah. yeah. Like, discounts literally mean shit when you can't get comics. Mm-hmm. 
Um, and since Monday, there has been, I mean, pretty much a, a, an ongoing question of, well, what the fuck happens now? Right. Um, who's releasing digitally next week? Yes. Um, who, you know, who who is who is not like what? Basically, what happens? Right. You know, is is the is the U.S. comic industry essentially on hold? Mm-hmm. And if so, how long is it on hold for? You know, um, so I've spent the last week talking to a bunch of publishers mm-hmm. and talking about and publishing in general, trying to get answers to those questions. And Jeff, it's fair to say that the comic book industry is not the most professional, <laughs> right? Right. Yeah. Absolutely. I have never ever heard people have less idea what's going on than this week. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean. Utterly no idea. And for the most part, open to say, fuck knows. Right. You know, um, I have talked to publishers who, outright will just say, like, upfront, like, Image were the first again to say, we're not releasing anything digitally right. until print back. Which we're is just great. not. Um, IDW said the same. Oni said the same. Yeah. Dark Horse has said the same now. Mm-hmm. Um, Dark Horse actually released a statement mid uh, midweek because I fucking emailed them <laughs> because their statement is literally what they wrote back to me like hours earlier that day. Wow, but they hadn't released it officially, huh? But they Jeez. hadn't released it officially. Um, yeah, it, uh, but at the same time, I talked to publishers who had no idea, like weren't even you know trying to get out of answering. Genuinely had no idea. Right. I talked to publishers who weren't entirely sure when the last diamond shipments were meant to be, mm. uh, which in itself is kind of shocking. Mm-hmm. Um, I talked to publishers who upfront would say, we haven't decided. Mm. Like, we don't know. We don't know what's the best to mm-hmm. do. Mm-hmm. Um, because, and as the argument was made to me, there's one thing about, sure, you don't want to piss off retailers, but when retail doesn't exist... And it's a choice between like putting something out or not putting anything out. Mm-hmm. Do you make the choice not to upset retailers who are closed and can't get anything anyway? And in the process, make your creators have no income. Right. Well, you know? I, I mean, uh, let me put it this. My understanding is that particular framework would have to be through the kind of image, fanographics, like – People it, who aren't it, paid it, up front was, and get paid when the from, stuff comes out, right? It was from a publisher that I uh, I can believe that if they put themselves on hiatus entirely, that very quickly there'll be a cash flow problem. Yeah. Right, yeah. So, I mean, and, and the only reason why I mention that is, of course, one of the things that is, um, for me, uh, profoundly uh, disquieting about DC and Marvel's lack of saying anything. I mean, you know, DC finally got this statement out to, today, but I don't think it even, it's still, they still don't address whether they are putting books on the market digitally on Wednesday, right? Yeah, it doesn't say anything about that. Yeah, so, I mean... Um, the, uh, what's really interesting is I talked to uh, someone at a sizable publisher. Mm-hmm. And got one answer. Mm-hmm. I talked to someone who has other ins with said sizable publisher and got a separate answer. Mm-hmm. I talked to a third person who is with the publisher, 
Mm-hmm. I got a different answer. Oof. And then I basically went back to the first and third person and were like, okay, you both work for the same publisher. You both give me different answers. What's going on? And both of them were like, oh, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. Well, so so Marvel and DC are, you know, the the majority of what they do, the vast majority is work for hire. Like people get incentive payments after the you know based on sure 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 ba- based and, and on the like, orders like, from like for, Mar- yeah. for marvel and dc especially they're owned by multinational corporations exactly exactly you know like right. they they if they're having cash flow problems to that degree there's more going on right mm-hmm. right um i should say that i have heard uh and again this is like how how much can i say without betraying confidences mm-hmm. um I well, you, actually, I'll, I'll go this way. You may or may not have heard that uh, at least one comic publisher has told creators to stop working on books. Yes, the infamous pencils down. Uh, yes, tweets or two yeah. that we've seen. Yeah. Um, one of Marvel and DC is one hundred percent not doing that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and has told their creators that already. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And is going to be continuing to pay their creators. Right. Like forward. Just an assumption that basically everything's going to start again, right? So right? they're they're con- still continuing. To, the, yes. In other words, the so, creators are so, working. Things yes. are being sort of um, yes, and thing and, yeah. and are continuing to be paid. Yes, got it. Right, like which honestly is more important than are they continuing to work? Right. right. Yes. Um. But there is just it's utter confusion. Yeah, Jeff. It's it's because I I saw I saw a lot of people this week actually do variations of like why are they not saying anything? Why like why isn't Marvel or DC release a statement? Like they just don't care. And I know from talking to people at both companies that's not true. Oh yeah, yeah. I but I also know from true. talking to people at both companies, there's a difference between we care and we can actually say anything publicly because again we're part of a multinational corporation. That's right. Yeah. Right. You know? Yeah. Um, which is uh, – is it a problem? I, it's a problem for the public-facing side of the business. But again, if it takes care of its creators and it takes care of its staff, like maybe not a problem in the long term. Well, I you mean, know? yes. On, uh, uh, I think – but I think you, of course, have put your finger on it is, is that, you know, it, I don't know. I always love making uh, metaphors with things uh, that I don't necessarily know how they work. But, you know, the comics industry is kind of like a 10-speed bicycle, I think, uh, in that there's a lot of... Yeah, let's see where this is going. (laughs) There's there's a lot of different gears, and you got... Just because your bike chain is connected to one end, if it's not connected on the other end, it doesn't necessarily work or to put it another way it's all well and good if marvel and dc are um you know telling basically are are paying their creators that they're still moving forward that they're still working and it's another thing if part of the reason why that's happening is not that they are taking product and putting it on the shelf so that they've got a little bit of work ahead, but are planning on releasing this stuff digitally, forcing the digital audience and the print audience, AKA the retailers in the direct market out of sync. Right. Yeah. It's 
it's like what happens there is going to be nuts. Yeah. Uh, one of the things that has surprised me this week is seeing direct market retailers who are still open mm-hmm. basically saying, why can't we have new product? Right. And on the one hand, I understand it. They want something to sell. But on the other hand, more than half of the direct market is closed. Right. Yeah. So is it fair to those retailers mm-hmm. to release new content? Mm-hmm. Like, it, like genuinely, is it? Right. No, uh, exactly. I, I, but, yeah. but again, like for my money, I don't think publishers should be releasing stuff digitally mm-hmm. if direct market is closed. I agree. I absolutely agree. But then you get into this whole thing of, I, I, and while I agree but, but, with but you. But how long does that last? No, exactly. I think the direct market doesn't open for six months. That's right. Like, surely at some point, like, it's got to be, quote unquote, okay to go, we're going to put something out digitally. You know, I, it's like, I honestly, I, Again, what, Marvel and DC can yeah. weather the storm, right? Well, and like, theory. Image can and, you know, fucking whatever, Dynamite. Mm-hmm. But can, uh, I don't know, can an Oni, can a Lineforge, can mm-hmm. a, can a Vault. Right. No, you know, absolutely. Or, or do they do what DC, like, the most interesting part of the DC statement for me is the mention of, um, multi-distributor model well exactly which means what exactly you know? uh, well i mean to me it sounds like not diamond exclusive but is that only for the period that diamond's closed right or is that moving forward forever which would be fucking fascinating sure because what i mean what would that mean what would that be you know what I mean? Like, uh, you, of course, wrote a great little piece uh, for The Hollywood Reporter talking about um, Marvel buying Heroes World back in uh, the 90s and all of the horrific consequences that rippled out from that that have a very direct effect on what's happening this week, which is to say... Back Marvel when, created the monopoly by mistake. Exactly. There were four or more distributors in place when Marvel bought Heroes World and within a matter of months there you know within a year there was yeah, with, basically only a, one yeah yeah like honestly within 2 years uh of Marvel buying Heroes World Marvel signed exclusively with Diamond essentially creating a monopoly yeah exactly so you know it's one thing if DC says that but it's of it's a weird moment to be like well who are you talking about? Like, and and this is where my ignorance shows up. But my my understanding is is that you know, apart from you know Diamond, most of most comic retailers, to the extent they have other distributors, they're generally like book distributors, like yeah. Barnes and Taylor, or you know what but I mean. Like, it. like, is is that going to be the case moving right. forward, or is like who distributes magazines? Right. Is DC going to go back to the magazine trade? Right. And and use like some Warner muscle. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. To say, or like AT&T muscle even. Right. To say, okay, like we want a good deal on this. Mm-hmm. And therefore, can comic stores go through that, that distributor? Is, is DC or AT&T going to set up its own distribution? Right. And I mean, the the it seems to me the short-term answer is... I don't really – I think that would be a challenge in the best of times and right yes, now and is very right far possible, right? Yeah, from the best of times, you know? 
But like, but there's what the thing that's fascinating to me is um, multi distributor model to provide us with the flexibility needed during this crisis mm-hmm. suggests it's short term, mm-hmm. right? right? During the crisis, that's right. But it's immediately followed by in the short term we continue to engage in active conversations with Diamond, right? Which for me then makes it sound like multi distributor model is long term. Uh, I, I, it's, I mean, it's it's. Right, it, I was just astonishingly vague. It's not. It's very purposely vague. Yeah, like it's vague because they don't want to see exactly what they're doing. Yes. In part because maybe they don't know. Right, right. But it, like, either way, this could be a big deal. Yeah, right. No, it could. It could. It. It is. It is a very big deal. I mean, it is very hard not to. Um, you and I, who have spent a, a certain amount of time these last couple of years wringing our hands about the future of the direct market, never, I think, has hand wringing seemed so appropriate as right now. You know, we have comic book stores, retailers, many of whom are over leveraged, who have to be able to continue to sell product to pay their bills or their invoices. Um, essentially being stripped of the ability to do that you've got major metropolitan centers that are on lockdown so the amount of regular foot traffic that those stores some of the more successful stores have sort of come to depend on you know it's like you've got your wednesday crowd but you also rely really heavily on the parents who bring their kids in to get you know, new graphic novels and things sure. like that, that you assume that's not happening. So you've, you've got this like potential asphyxiation of the market at that level. You have the two biggest retailers, the two biggest companies in the comic book marketplace, not committing to basically backing the direct market. You know, uh, I mean, uh, DC certainly is, by making its product fully returnable for this is nothing to sneeze at, especially when you throw in the fact that they said that they were going to pick up shipping costs, which many I, retailers have yeah. claimed have always also, been the biggest problem. Like it's returnable from March through the end of June, which honestly feels like a pretty big time. Yeah. Um, adding an extra distributor or like distributors mm-hmm. in order to get the product to stores mm-hmm. feels like a support for the direct market. And yet, at the same time, could that undercut the direct market if, you know, again, a third of the stores in the U.S. are actually getting products everyone else is shut? Right. Um, but, you know, it also said you are the lifeblood of this industry, you know, yeah. is, is, is the end. So if we take them at their word, then, then DC at least is aware that they need to keep the direct market healthy. Um, I will say that I've heard that other things might be coming mm-hmm. from... I'll say publishers mm-hmm. um, to support retailers. Mm-hmm. I know I know there are things in the work mm-hmm. um, that are uh, more immediate assistance mm-hmm. than this. Mm-hmm. For want of a better way of putting it, mm-hmm. um, so there's more to come. There's more to come from 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 multiple parties. Um, but I mean, honestly, this the DC statement is is good. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not great, but it's good. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Marvel statement, I remember when I got it, I was like, this is a joke, though. Right, right. Because not making anything returnable 
and instead saying, here's a discount, mm-hmm. was nuts. Mm-hmm. Because no one was thinking, well, I must buy more product. Right, right. Literally no one. Yeah. Like, I was, I was paying attention to what a lot of retailers were saying before that statement came out. And they were saying, put your product on hiatus, mm-hmm. stagger the product, and talk to us about returnability. Mm-hmm. And Marvel and Seb was like, we really want to support you. You can buy our product cheaper now. Yeah, right. Which was fucking astonishingly bad. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, and, you know, I, I honestly, because they would not give me a straight answer, have no insight as to whether Marvel is releasing digitally on Wednesday. I would be shocked if they don't. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I, I heard, because I put this in THR so I can say it, um, I heard that they might not be releasing their entire slate. Mm-hmm. But I, they're going to release something. They definitely are. Sure. And that's going to be like a, a, a toe in the water to see what happens. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Yeah, that's uh, that's good to that's good to know. I kind of have that moment of like, Ugh, maybe I should cancel some of my Marvel subscriptions, um, which is ironic because I mean it's you know I only buy digitally these days. But of course I'm like, yeah, I just don't want them to. I just don't want to support that kind of behavior, you know? It's really well, shitty. Okay, but... Uh, okay, um, Devil's Advocate. Mm-hmm. Is it okay to start digital publication if Diamond has not reopened two months from now? I don't know. I mean, honestly, I don't know. I think that it's just a, a well so there's two two flip sides of it the one one side is um depending on how you look at it marvel is owned by disney dc is owned by warner's slash at&t AT&T, yeah those are enormous goliaths with like deep pockets that the rest of the industry can only imagine you know on the other hand Disney leveraged the shit out of itself to buy Fox. They have closed, had to close their parks, which are a huge source of revenue. They have dumped literally billions of dollars into oh. movie, a movie slate right before yeah. the summer, you know. Mm-hmm. And, and Disney, like Disney's investors guidance is basically like, don't be surprised if we make a loss this year. Right. Well, of yeah. I mean, how what you mean for you Disney? Not? Yeah. It's shocking. Yeah, exactly. You know, so, I mean, there's a way in which you're like, on the other hand, they do have public stock. They do have investors. They, in theory, do have insurance. Like, they're, you know, <laughs> the government bill that was passed, I'm sure, puts a, a lot of money, um, pushes it back their way. So, I mean, my my personal thinking is, is that... Arguably, I would say if there are two comic book companies that could afford to ride this out as long as possible, it would be Marvel and DC. And I think the flip side of this is you just don't want comic book customers to walk back into a comic book store whenever this crisis is over. And find out that either A, they've missed, you know, six issues or ten issues of the book that they follow. You know what I mean? Like, talk about the perfect jumping off point, 
you know, and also this idea, especially if it gets to be one of those situations where the the digital marketplace is like six issues ahead, you know, I mean, like, apart from the weird fact of you'd have a situation where like Marvel Unlimited would more or less be publishing with day and date at that point. I mean, I don't I mean, think that, you'd that, get to that. But... That I don't. That's the thing I'm I'm really uh, concerned about. It's not the right word, but like just again, no one knows anything, right? right? And that's mm-hmm. that's just the reality of it, right? But say that Diamond is say that Diamond is essentially closed for two months, right? Okay, and I think that's reasonable. Yeah. Oh, I think you so. know right thing. Yeah. Do they then ship two months worth of books in the first week? Right. And, and quote-unquote get back on schedule? Right. Do they run everything two months late? And if digital has been published, does digital just stop selling things for two months to get back on track? Mm-hmm. Like, again, I'm saying this as if anyone has the answers and no one does. Sure. I'm, no one has made a decision about yeah, this. Yeah, exactly. No one knows what to do. Absolutely. But, that being said, the plus of digital can stop and you don't, you don't have backlog in the same way, right? Like you just don't, as you point out, if the if Diamond closes for two months or three months, what the hell happens with all of that product in the first week? You could have retailers just drowning, you know, in product that there's no way they could ever sell, you know? Yeah. Like the, it's yeah. just, they're just so swollen with product there's going to be no way that people walking in the doors are going to be like, oh, sure, I will now spend $90 instead well, I mean, of $30. I, yeah, exactly. Like, say it's closed for two months, right? Mm-hmm. And say you really only like Batman. Right. That's it. Mm-hmm. When you go into that thing, if they ship everything at once, you're still buying 16 comics. Yeah. Because you're buying four issues of Batman and four issues of Detective. Right. Right. Yeah. You know? I like, mean... That's... that's nuts yeah. i mean genuinely nuts yep you know what about the x-men fans right right you know there's like eight different x-men titles yeah no i i mean so for me the 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 one plus is if you put the marketplace on hold the digital marketplace you don't have that sort of same problem you know what i mean like if everything freezes if you stop printing and you just, you know, if the if the publishers really do just take the product and and bank it, you know, for when things start going again so that everybody takes a hiatus like that is, I think, arguably the safest thing that can happen with the industry, considering how shitty a hand everyone's been dealt if you don't do that, then everything just starts to tumble mm. out of control. It's it's like a, it's like when you have like a drought, and then it's instantly followed by so much rain, you get a flash yeah. flood. You know, I mean, I mean the, and the other side of this is, it's almost impossible that if Diamond closes for two months in this theoretical model, that you can get everything to, to in the, the first week, right. because like DC and images actual printer is closed mm, right right you know? yeah yeah like, so i mean they, i'm sure they can find another printer mm-hmm. but like again the backlog yeah yeah you know it's just there's so much again 
just unknown and, mm-hmm. and unknowable at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, but the the shocking thing for me this week, I think, honestly, was that with the exception of maybe two publishers, mm-hmm. asking a relatively straightforward question was more often than not just bit met by people being like, oh, fu- oh, fuck, I don't know. Right. Fuck. Uh, I, I've not even thought about that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and I wasn't asking like I wasn't asking different questions, Jeff. Right. I'm asking things like, uh, "Do you have a digital plan?" Not even, "What is your digital plan?" Do you have a digital plan? Mm-hmm. Or are you looking at alternate forms of distribution? Right. You know, and people are like, as if I'd asked something that was completely unbelievable and unimaginable. <laughs> right. Right. Well, because 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 this is this is the problem, of course, that you know. Part of what's kept us able to rant about the comic book industry on this podcast for so many years is there is there are tons of bad habits in the comics industry, and one of the one of them is just it's they're lazy. It's it's really it's an easy marketplace comparatively. Like it's there's levels that are i mean it's unbelievably hard in terms of you know being able to make a living and or you know the, the trying to avoid toxic personalities but in terms of you know you're you're looking at an industry that has puts in makes billions of dollars a year and spends almost nothing on marketing you know what I mean? Like comic book marketing is in-house ads that they just build back to themselves for the most part. You know, maybe if someone really gets a bug up their ass, they'll they'll help retailers with a Facebook problem. There's no there's not the levels of uh, we it's a fatted calf. You know what I mean? Like other industries end up getting, say, project manager managers who have had to take classes in essentially disaster management, worst case scenarios, you know, like most of these guys are, you know what I mean? They're, they're, I was like, Hey, I was a retailer. Oh, I was a guy who like, you know, photocopied stats for years. And then eventually, you know, got into the job of like cleaning up, you know, the for earliest copies for the computer printing press, you know, and now I'm the head of distribution. Like there's just sometimes you'll get people from outside the industry who come over from like the book markets and things like that. But even still, the the book market, too, is another industry that that, you know, w- was so entrenched that I just think that there is a whole realm of disaster management that a most of the smaller companies are not um, in any way trained to handle a situation like this. And so literally, yeah, just have no idea, just completely caught flat footed, which isn't surprising because you see some of these companies be exactly this flat footed in any kind of scandal. You know, they're utterly tone deaf they haven't given it a moment's of thought and then you look over at the larger industries at the larger companies which again now are so daisy chained like 
DC is like if I would if you asked me, Graham, and and asked me about those things, and I wasn't the CEO, I'd be like, I don't know, go ask the CEO. You know what I mean? Like, there's just stuff that you can they couldn't. As as someone who is a really appreciated being a small cog in the capitalist machine the last couple of weeks in that I've had work, but the majority of my job was getting people set up to work remotely. And then we had to work. You know what I mean? We didn't have to think about like what happens in six months if this is still going on or what happens in like 10 months. It's like, I'm like, it's not my job. Thank God. Like I should think about it, but I mean, apart from trembling in bed at three in the morning, I don't, that's about all I'm trained to do, you know, when it comes yeah. to thinking about that kind of stuff. Yeah. Whereas in theory, this is this is as repugnant as the take-home income of many CEOs, CFOs, and COOs are, you know. This is what they're paid for. This is what they're paid for. They have to make those decisions. They have to make those noises. Again, it's, you know, I, I – I think part of me is really tempted to kind of lambast Jim Lee, who has just been the invisible man uh, since a lot of this stuff happened. But honestly, it's Marvel's people are all perfectly established and it doesn't seem like you would know shit from them. You know, it's not like it's not like you see uh, the publisher uh, Dan Wahuzimutz out of uh, Dan Buckley. Thank you. I'm like Dan Stevens, which would be wrong, so wrong. Uh, but he he was great as Legion. He so was. He... he was. He's a talented actor. He's a talented actor, but not a very good uh, you know see publisher of Marvel. In part because he's not. It's Dan Buckley. But you don't you don't hear shit from Dan Buckley. You know, and he's been doing this job for like what, two decades now at this point? You know, 15 years? You know? And it's like, here's like one of the biggest problems that, you know, has ever faced the comic book industry since, I don't know, uh, since the establishment of the Comics Code Authority. And where where are these people? So yeah. it's, it's funny when this... It's funny. Funny is not the right word. Yeah. Um, when, you know... We've, I mean, you and I have been locked down for what two weeks now, right? Because um, California did it roughly the same time Oregon did it, right? Yeah. Um, and I feel that it sort of only became real to people in the U.S. that this was going to be a problem, say, a week before that, right? When uh, we were talking in THR, yeah, really just a couple of weeks ago, maybe a, a little bit more. Um, I I was like this. This could be a problem. Problem. Mm-hmm. Like this could be. This could put a lot of people out of business. This this could put publishers out of business. This is almost certainly going to put retailers out of business. Um, like this could get really bad. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people that I said that to uh, in comics were like, "No, no, it's not going to be that bad." Right. Right. Yeah. And, I think I might have been like understating it. No, absolutely. You know, I think I was soft selling it, mm-hmm. and I think that what's going on with so many people who are like, I, I, I don't know. I, I have no fucking idea. I don't know. Is that they still haven't quite wrapped their head around what's going on? Well, no, 
I mean, apart from the fact that you literally have the president of the United States spreading disinformation and misinformation, right? So, I mean, it's, but I, I would say that, you know, like you said, you and I have been uh, on lockdown for two weeks. Uh, the week before, there was a lot of like, oh, gee, maybe it would be a good idea, maybe sort of, you know, in that kind of, you know, I feel like it was only that week before you and I got, you know, shelter in place orders that, you know, that Emerald City Comic Con canceled. You know what I mean? Like, literally, wasn't it like a week or 10 days out before it was supposed to happen or something like that? Oh yeah, Emerald City was was incredibly late. Like, yeah, yeah, it was it was very very late. So so I think that at that point, not only did you have people who were like, ah, quarant- you know, sort of the social distancing lockdown quarantine thing seemed kind of hard to wrap your brain around. Now that we've been doing it for two weeks, I think that people. I mean, there's part of what I think people still can't wrap their brain around is I feel like it depends on how much courage you have to continue or obsessiveness to continue reading about the coronavirus, because the more information that you read, the more that too much. The more overwhelming it gets. Yeah, the more overwhelming yeah. it gets. Like, I remember a point last week where it's like I'd sheltered in place for one week, and I feel like that was finally right around the time that I read the. Um, what was it the 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 imperial is it the sorry the imperial academy oh no the, the imperial college yeah the imperial college's um mapping of three or four different scenarios for covid-19 and one of those scenarios was literally something like if you don't want people to die, you literally have to keep them court you know sheltering in place and practicing social distancing until there's a genuine vaccine. Like the best you can maybe hope for is people could go out for maybe a month or so, and then it would begin to spread again. And the numbers would change so rapidly. You'd have to lock everyone down for another two months. So people like that was the point where I'm like, wait, we're literally going to be doing this for, I mean, 18 months. Like you said, when it's two months, it seems hard enough for anyone to to really wrap their brain around. But eighteen months is yeah, yeah exactly yeah. It's 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 almost impossible, right? Yeah, I mean it's yeah yeah. I I, I want to add very quickly. Um, Brian Hibbs, quote unquote friend of the podcast, um, <laughs> posted on Facebook half an hour ago. Mm-hmm. That uh, DC said in comments to retailers that they are not going to halt digital release of books. Ooh, shit. Oh, yes. Oh. Yes. Oh. First of all, let's wait and see how real that is versus how much someone at DC has gotten it wrong. Right. Um, but that's a whole fucking thing. Well, also, they've they've still got 72 hours to pivot on that. So I suspect. Oh, yeah, they no, they can, they yeah. can. I mean, it, it gets back to 
like Diamond saying we're going to be doing free comic book May, and then the next day being like, nope, we're just postponing it. Oh, I should say that. So yeah, for people who don't know, free comic book day obviously is the first weekend in the first Saturday in May every year. Mm-hmm. Uh, retailers were understandably before Diamond sh- shut down. Retailers were understandably saying, what what is going to happen? It's free comic book day, mm-hmm. and on it was like a Tuesday afternoon or a Wednesday afternoon. Diamond said, it's free comic book May. It's going to last all month. <laughs> uh, and as one, the retailer community were like, that's fucking stupid. Right, right. To the point where the next day, Diamond were like, it's actually just being postponed to some <laughs> indeterminate point. <laughs> right. The funny thing about that was, there was never an announcement of free comic book May. Oh, right. really? It never was sent out as an announcement. Oh, well, that's good. It was reported on, mm-hmm. but it was never officially announced. Mm. Okay, and it was reported on because, hilariously, some people saw it on the Diamond site. Oh. Right? Mm-hmm. But it was announced. Wow. I spoke with Diamond last week when it was being rumored that they were going to shut down um, releases. Mm-hmm. And the Diamond spokesperson said to me, because uh, you may or may not remember, it was being, it was announced, it was reported before it was announced, if that makes sense, mm-hmm. because um, Bleeding Cool and ComicBook.com heard from publishers, because Diamond told publishers first, then they told retailers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know, that was, that was also, I mean, <laughs> and before Diamond did anything. Publishers sold rich and publishers sold comicbook.com. Mm-hmm. And they both ran it. Right? And I was like trying to get confirmation. And Diamond said to me, We've not announced anything. We're not confirming anything. And mm-hmm. I don't want this to be like Comic Book May, which was never real in the first place. Mm-hmm. I've seen a screenshot of the Diamond site with yeah. Comic Book May on it. Like yeah. it 100% was real. Yeah, absolutely. But it was just like amazing for them to be like, yeah, they, it was never real. Like it was it was just a, something that someone made up. And I wanted to be like, you you guys. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. There's actual proof out there in the world. Yeah. 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 No, it's – I mean – and again, just sort of like you said. Uh, so DC could pivot. Like DC's announced that if enough retailers were like – you know, you're dead to us if you do this. Um, you know, DC might be like, oh, oh, only kidding. Yeah, we you changed know? our mind. Yeah. yeah, you know, and that and that's fine too. I do think that there is something that is. Uh, I I do in a way have also have some sympathy from people who you're like talking to who are like, fuck, I don't know because because the, no one knows. Well, like, right? The, this is like. You know, when we when we were talking about maybe it's going to be eighteen months, right? right? Mm-hmm. No one knows. Yeah, no one has any idea what's happening. That's right. Um, I had I had calls with people at THR this week, and they were basically like, "So, what do you think is going to happen?" And I was like, "Fuck knows." Like, really? Mm-hmm. It depends mm-hmm. how long Diamond is closed for. Right. It depends if publishers try and do what DC's talking about and find different distributors. Mm-hmm. It depends, you know, if publishers just said, "Fuck it, we're going to go digital." Right. Like, what happens if, for example, DC really fucking leads into digital and goes, we're going to put everything in DC Universe? Right. No, exactly. You know? Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah. I believe like, me. All of these things are open. Right. All of these things are are, are mm-hmm. possibilities. Yep. And and I think the flip side of it also that I was sort of getting to is a little bit of the one thing I was very aware of in trying to get the people in my department ready to work remotely was how fluid the situation was literally from day to day. You know, it was one thing where it was like we were telling people like uh, our, the original announcement were only some people were staying home and other departments had to come in. Then the people whose departments had to come in fought. And then finally it was like, oh, okay, people, you know, people, these departments are also going to be working remotely, but the offices are going to be open. And then I had people in my department who were like, well, if the office is open, I would rather come into the office and work. And it was like, what? Okay, fine. And then two days later, that option was off the table. So then it was back to, okay, now you can't come in. Can you work remotely? And then there being the actual, well, I could if I didn't, you know, essentially it led to things like me having to coordinate and literally send laptops to people who like had Wi-Fi in their home and so had access to the internet, but didn't really have a computer that could run our you know, work package on it. And it was like, part of me was like, well, if you'd only told me that like five days earlier, but literally five days earlier, just five days was a completely different situation. Yeah, exactly. You know, that's just it. like, yeah. it, it really is a, you know, people are, it, I, and even myself being like, how come you don't have a plan? Right. But at the same time, there are things here that no one really ever saw coming. Yes. Or what's around the corner? Like someone's, you know, and again, if you have people who are in the, who've trained and got their degrees or whatever in risk management, right, you know, they are usually snapped up by very big companies so that they can sit there and model scenarios, you know, that most of us like, you know, like, so what happens if Diamond closes in two months for, you know, says that it's only going to close for two months maximum, but one month into that, like, I don't know, the president declares martial law, you know, like it just gets into these like insane scenarios. Like we, this is so unique, as you know, for anyone in our lifetime to to that that it's, you know, like the more people are willing to kind of think outside the box in some ways, the better. But but at the same time, like you just can't we're so trained like because, to take things yeah. for granted and you just can't. Oh, but yeah. also, like, because, you know, talking about thinking outside the box, so much of this is outside the box. Well, yeah, right. Well, like, we can think outside the box and come up with, like, well, maybe this will happen. But maybe something a million miles in the opposite direction is going to happen. Right. Absolutely. You know? Right. And that, that's the danger. Right. Right? The danger is, I mean, I, I do, this sounds completely apocalyptic and it's not meant to be, but I think this could be... Uh, the end of the direct market as we know it. I think it actually is the end of the direct I, market. I, I, it seems very hard to imagine a scenario not. where it's not. Yeah, right? basically. Yep. Um, but at the same time, I have no idea what that actually means. Right. Right. You know, in any direction. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, no, it, exactly. It's just, it is, it's so, it's so strange. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and it's, like I said, this has been the week where like everyone knows nothing, mm-hmm. and it's just, like fucked if I know for everything. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Ah, Jeff. Indeed, Graham. My goodness, it must have been quite a quite a quite a week for you. I'm sure it was. It was actually hilariously frustrating. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, because it was a lot of people expecting me to know things, mm-hmm. and also me knowing nothing. Right, and just people not telling me shit that I knew they knew, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Just like, come on, you come on, you got, uh, you know, you know, just give me something. Right. And they're like, no, no, yeah. no. Yeah. Yeah. It uh, was, it was, it was hilariously, it was actually more, especially frustrating when like I got to like deadline time mm-hmm. and I'm like, all I want is even for you to say no fucking comment. Right. Just say something. Right. Exactly. I don't feel confident going forward with nothing from you. <laughs> completely, completely. At least no. Excuse me. No comment is something, something you can type in. Yeah. Exactly. Right. Yeah. No. And I, you know, I. The thing that's funny is the comic book industry. Like, part of me is like, yeah, this may be the end of the direct market. Part of me is like will we have cinemas when this is over? You know what I mean? Like, it's just such a, like, there's part of me where I'm like, I mean, yes, we will. Will we have the same type of cinemas? (laughs) Well, yeah, no, exactly. I mean, well, but seriously, again, part of me is like, if people can't go to the movies for 18 months, you know, like at that point, you do start looking. One of the things that I think is interesting slash worrisome is most of the big companies are in the process of transitioning to their their netflix killers you know they're they're big streaming services and so part of me is like yeah i could i could see where um you know essentially disney's like fuck it, we're just going to release the Black Widow movie on D+. You know, like, not, they're not going to do that next month, but if it's three months from now and everyone's still on lockdown, I I could see them doing that. I could see, again, this weird thing of DC Universe and Marvel Unlimited, you know, if you're releasing things digitally and, you know, your agreement with your quote unquote retailers is that you're only going to release things if they, you know, it's six months behind retail. If retail stops in its tracks for nine months or something like that, why wouldn't these people start taking their streaming venues you know that's the thing that worries me when dc's like yes we're looking at looking at a multi-distributor approach is like i'm like i don't know if you guys are actually talking you know i'm sure that it's supposed to sound like you're talking print but you know so i'm i'm i myself am really fascinated by what the quote-unquote world of entertainment could look like by the time this is all over because on the one hand, you've got um, Hollywood, you know, you've got the comic book industry, which has always kind of been on a, 
you know, on a knife's edge. Yeah, exactly. Always yeah, on a knife's it's edge. Been, it's always been a little bit precarious. Yeah. yeah, it's always been on a starvation diet. But you know, the flip side of it is is that the the that the modern um, movie industry has also continually over leveraged itself. You know, with essentially high risk, high investment movies that that cost hundreds of millions of dollars um and they were always com- confident that they could make that back by dumping hundreds of millions of dollars into worldwide advertising and getting making billions of dollars back but you can only have so many of those lined up and then if you can't release them in the theaters you know because there's no movie theaters that can basically be open it's yeah, there's the, I don't know what things are going to look like at the other end of this, but I think it could be incredibly, incredibly different. Um, you know, there is something where I'm like, yeah, if it's not if it's not streaming on TV, I don't know. You know, <laughs> like I'm just like, that's going to be everything. Everything's going to be like, you know, it's all it's all going to come right into our house now because the it's possible the entire distribution network that was set up beforehand is just going to, you know, waste away of attrition because, you know, movie theaters can't afford to stay closed for six to nine months any more than any more than a comic book store can ultimately. Um, did you see the, the uh, details about streaming up like what happened to streaming last week? No, I'd be curious though. Uh, so HBO's streaming saw a 40% increase. Mm-hmm. And Disney Plus saw a 200-something percent increase in signups. Right. So, yeah. you know, that's that's a thing. Yeah, right? So, I mean, at that point, again, when you've got HBO Max and you've got D Plus and you're sitting on, you know wonder woman 84 and you're trying to figure out you know like that you've already dumped hundreds of millions of dollars in you're like well what if we do make it you know an ad like you can only see it on hbo max like wouldn't that make it worth the 14.99 sign up like wouldn't wouldn't we get tons and tons of subscribers before the end of the year like and I, you know, you wouldn't get enough to make it make your money back, though. Well, no, because because once you put it on a streaming service, it's infinitely easier to pirate. Well, right, right, right. Um, but at the same time, I've seen a lot of people basically make the argument that something like Black Widow might not have to end up in Disney Plus, mm-hmm. but depending how long this goes on for, right, it's going to cause, for a better way of putting it, backing up in the system of Marvel. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, that's also not true because Marvel can't fucking finish their films. Right. Right. Because right. the post-production houses are closed down. Right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No. So, I, yeah. like, it, it's just, it just becomes this weird thing. It's all, it's, I mean, that's the other side of it for comics even, right? Mm-hmm. You know, uh, the pencils down has gone out for at least one publisher. Right. Right. And most comic creators work from home. Mm-hmm. Great. They can continue working. Right. But like I said, DC and image just printers closed down. Right. You know, can editors and production people really do all the work they need to at home? Right. Like, what's what does that model look like? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, that like 
there's going to come a point where surely, you know, there is going to be at the very least a hiccup. Oh, right. Exactly. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I and I say at the very least, like who who fucking knows? I was I was joking earlier this week that um the, in a really weird way, this is great for DC. Mm-hmm. Because DC reportedly was like, you know, rethinking what it's doing in the wake of Death and the Deal going. Mm-hmm. And like, no, it's kind of, it has the time to do that. Yes. Do you know what I mean? Like, they, could li- they literally have all the time in the world to redo their free comic book day issue from scratch now. Right. Because it's not a month away. Right. It's X number of months away. Well, So if they really are like, you know, oh, Skull Abdel and Brett Booth, can you just like change this Wally West story? It doesn't have to be a last-minute change because you're they're working on something else. They can just do the whole thing from fucking scratch again. Right, right. No, I mean you start looking at the situation where a lot of a lot of what's happened with comics that has been sort of the the two mainstream companies in many ways just tripping themselves or shooting themselves in the foot is a is the they would make promises for publication of a big event and then inevitably, and this is like Marvel, Marvel could not get, like has maybe had like one event ship on time all the way through in the history of the last, what, 15 or 16? Yeah, it's 20 years, yeah. Yeah, so, you know, here's an opportunity where it's like if everyone's continuing to work and work ahead, like... Yeah, you when everyone comes back... Right. We can just fucking make this like it, things can actually run in clockwork because yeah. you've built in all the time that you didn't have before. Exactly. And you can even start doing the sort of situation that we complained, you know, part of what kneecapped um, uh, the new 52, the just the absurdly, insanely fast turnaround, you know, the the idea that it's like, OK, what if we get something where we take this, you know, these months of lead time that are granted to us and we not only stay ahead of our books, but we actually begin being able to plan things in advance that will already be done or mostly done by the time that they get out the door, you know? Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, who knows? I, you know, it's one of the things that I find fascinating is that this is, there is the possibility for huge corrective changes during yes. times like these. But, but, but there's not going to be. Well, and I know. Like, yes, there's the possibility for it, but it's sure. not going to happen. No. Like, um, the reason I know the publisher that's, that ordered the Pencil Stone thing mm-hmm. is that uh, I was told by two creators whom I kind of know, quote-unquote, mm-hmm. um, but whose work I, I am a really big fan of. And in both cases, it's because they were like, I don't think my project's even going to happen anymore. Wow. Yeah. Right. You know? Yeah. And that's just... Fuck. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. You know? Right. So, I, I, right, I, I, and that's it. One of the things that's been the most depressing for me over these last few weeks is watching everyone sort of double down on quote unquote business as usual. In some cases, literally, you know, business as usual. It's like not, we could take this time to actually change the social system 
because we're in a time of great disaster and upheaval. But I think what we're not, I think what we're going to do is the opposite of that, you know, and that, and that is one of the things that is depressing. It it's in a way there's part of me that kind of is hard. I don't want comic shops to go away. I don't want the direct marketplace to go away, you know, but at the same time, it's like, you still, you can't, you can't, it can't be business as usual if it's gone, you know? Like, yeah. And I admit I, there's part of me that's a little selfish and or just eager for some of these things to change, you know? it's I don't want to go into that full, full coronavirus ghoul that, you know, you see on social media that's like, well, the great thing is, you know, when all the boomers die, like Social Security will be funded for another... 10 to 15 years without cuts, you know, or whatever the hell they're, whatever terrifying gibbity got is coming out of people's mouths, you know? Yeah. So. Yeah. And we're back. Yes, we are. Yes, we are, Graham McMillan. We are certainly back. We are back. It's it's just like we're back together again after, after years apart, and this is now the enjoyable upbeat sequel to the depressing first installment yes indeed yes it's going to be all sunshine and roses from here out you start <laughs> uh i'm gonna ask you what you've been reading okay because well, i've been reading uh I, i've just been reading lots of old stuff but um, i i've i think in a weird way that's preparing for the for the time ahead if that makes sense no it totally does make sense of course uh let's see what did whatever i read you know is one of those things where it's like i should should have made a list. I, of course, read the issue 33 of The Immortal Hulk, which was fabulous, um, as as the Hulk is. I'm going to be very, very, very sad when Al Ewing's run is finished. Cause right. It, it's, yeah, yeah, it's so good. But also, it also kind of feels like, like he could just do this indefinitely. I mean, I don't know. I mean, I, it's clear it's they're so going to want to. Yeah. I would say that, like, before he got into where he is now in the title, mm-hmm. I wouldn't have thought that. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? It felt finite when he was doing, like, everything in the first two years, or the first 25 issues, I should say. Right. Felt finite. Mm-hmm. Like, he felt like he was telling one story. Mm-hmm. And now that it's where it is, I'm like, oh, I kind of feel like he could go on for a long time. Oh, yeah. Very you much know, so, like the, yeah. this. This second quote unquote arc mm-hmm. um, feels like it's 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 made the book bigger or made the potential for the stories it can tell bigger. Yes, yeah. No, I I would definitely say yeah. I I think so because I feel right before you know this this arc and before it, which is I guess part of the same arc, really. You you end up with the Hulk with his supporting cast in sort of that new status quo, and it you know it's a great it's a really good status quo to be in. It, additionally, one of the things that is fabulous about the run is how much um, the creative team has done with um, remarkably few moving parts. I think. You know, like there's just a lot of like, you know, taking a character like Zemnu, who is such was such a disposable little 
trifle and turning him into one of the creepiest fucking things I've seen in years, you know, <laughs> just is like, I'm like, well, man, there's dozens of forgotten Hulk villains that I would love to see these guys go to town with. Sure. Know? But at the same time, do you not feel like Zenus is a one-time deal? Yeah. I, no, like, no. I feel like you can't go and here's another villain you've forgotten because well, then it becomes a different thing. Sure. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, like one yes. of the things I like about where it is, is it's, it is genuinely unexpected yeah. considering where the book was. Yes. Yeah. No, I agree. I agree. This is very much my um uh my fanboy feelings of like, oh, I love this so much. I just want to keep reading it forever. Like, you know, as the as the creative energies just get sucked away and dissipated and there's only a dry husk, you know. I'm like, let me have more of that husk, baby. So yeah, no, I know, I trust, I trust that it, it, everyone involved knows what they're doing, including when to get the hell out. But, but it, that, that, like, the idea that there is, even at this point, a get the hell out, mm-hmm. despite what I've just said, feels too early. Mm-hmm. Like, the first, if it had ended at 25, mm-hmm. that would have been an ending, right? Right. If it ends after this arc, mm-hmm. it feels too soon. Right. It feels like it did go, oh, look, we can also do this. Mm-hmm. And then it, like, I feel they have to go somewhere else. I feel like you can't just be like, okay, we're done. Yeah. Like, we did this 25-issue story, mm-hmm. and then we did this, whatever, 10, 12-issue story. Mm-hmm. And God is like, no. Right. <laughs> no, you do, you do a story, or you do multiple stories. So don't just do a story, and then another story, and then you're done. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's <laughs> you know? true. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's, yeah, it's, it's going to be... It's going to be strange. Mm-hmm. It, it, it is going to be really... And also, and I think I said this way back when, like this book reminds me of Alan Murdoch and Watchmen to the point where I can't imagine anyone doing an old-fashioned Hulk story now. Uh, you mean Swamp Thing, which is totally but, fine. Yeah, yeah, sorry. What did I say? You said Watchmen. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I, I did. I 100% meant Swamp Thing. Yeah. Um, yeah, it, it, but can you imagine... Because you know they're going to. It's Marvel. Sure. Right. Right. You're literally going to get a uh, Bruce Banner is going to get angry, mm-hmm. and then the monster is going to come out. Yeah. And it's just you can't do that now. Yeah. Because you've had Al Ewing do this for the last few years, right. and like you can't. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. No, I, I. You know, I think this is one of the things that. Well, the Hulk in particular is one of those characters that, um, you know. The book has to more or less utterly reinvent itself in order to survive. I mean, I really feel like that was one of the big lessons from the Peter David years. And one of the things that was so great about that's been great about this run is how Al Ewing was like figuring out a way that, you know, go in a new direction that also gathers in everything in its wake. You know, like yes. there's so much that's, you know, whether that's the return of so many, you know, old classic characters under new guises or even just the way that, you know, it's easy to draw a weird parallel between the Hulk and the Pantheon and his very fucked up crew of of Gamma Guardians or whatever the hell they're called now, you know, and that's 
but it but it also all feels new and fresh. So yeah, I don't know. I mean, I like you said, I just I kind of don't know. Part of me even is like, okay, they can even do someone who can go along, you know, essentially just sort of follow in the same footsteps. And it's, you know, it's still just not going to have that same sort of shock of the new to it, you know, which is which is really part of what's so amazing is, is that you are 33 issues into this title and it still has the shock of the new in part because it's so different from where it was when it began. You know? Yes, yes, exactly. And because it is, it feels like the title renewed itself. Yes. With this storyline. Yeah. Absolutely. Like again, I can't get over the fact that we are where we are with this comic. Yes. Given where we were. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. You know, and, and it and it has consistently done that. Mm-hmm. You know, like even when it was teasing the green door, mm-hmm. you know, where that went. You know, I don't think anyone really saw coming. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, and then to go from there to the the Hulkbuster stuff, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I don't think anyone saw that coming. Right. That it leans so heavily into yeah. the body horror. Mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. and then from there to to you, uh, yeah, it's just it's continually gone to places where which feel entirely organic and entirely mm-hmm. earned and and legitimate, mm-hmm. but that you didn't see coming, and that's the dream right that's yeah. the dream you want comics to do yeah consistently surprise you and yet none of it feels gratuitous or forced yeah yeah and it's as we know it is a very it's a very hard thing to pull that off and it is it is just a stunner to see it done this long and this well so yeah it's mm-hmm. kind of I, I have to admit i'm being utterly utterly selfish about it I'm I'm sure this got a ton of coverage in the comics news, but volume 28 of S&M by Mio Morao is... Uh, I mean, people just wouldn't shut up about it. No, Jeff. right? I know. it's It was kind of <laughs> like, guys, come on. Seriously. There's other stuff happening in this world, but you would... You would not know it from comics news, that's for sure. Anyway, I, mean, I was shocked that Newsarama spent three days just posting about it. It was just, it was like, come on, guys, that, that enough's enough, really. Honestly, there's there's other things happening, and they're like, no, you don't understand. This is the final, the twenty eighth and final volume in a series that started off sort of being like a Fatal Attraction ripoff. And soon became the go-to for berserk sexual encounters as a thematic suspenseful uh, uh, running point for the series. Um, and I have to say, it's kind of what there's so many things that are hilarious about the 28th volume, Graham. But I, part of why I'm mentioning it is the fact that um, talking a little bit about you know, uh, the immortal Hulk and so much like, Oh, if only they just, you know, just, just come on guys, become a shadow of your former self. The S and M should have ended back around volume. I don't know, 20 volume 18. They had hit some absolutely delirious points, you know, like just there, there was some heavy duty, high suspense, action sequence that 
you know, just the fact that emergency analingus could be mentioned as a phrase is a thing that's like, wow, that's something you'll never see again unless you read the next nine to ten volumes of S&M where they more where more or less the creator is just like, OK, I'm doing the same story, but a little different. Uh, but which is to say not really that different at all. In fact, if you if you liked it the first time, you probably will. You'll me. continue to like it, but less so. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, the, the book, which was plagued by a variety of problems, you know, um, finally, uh, finally finishes up. One of the main problems, which was hilarious, was uh, after the first I don't know, dozen or so volumes being done properly, maybe even as many as 14. They started doing this insane thing that I've mentioned before that drives me nuts, where the digital volume reads from left to right, but the pages themselves aren't flipped. And so you still have to read those from right to left. And part of what made that even more insane is as the series went on, and the guy desperately was vamping for time. There were many, many, many more erotic double page spreads, which were hilarious because you would have the two images on their pages, but not flipped and but moved in location. So they'd be like um, back to back rather than joined at the seam. So you're like... Mm-hmm. Huh, so all of a sudden, this is supposed to be like it's is this supposed to be like a highly erotic picture puzzle where if I assemble these two things together, I get to see two bank robbers having coitus? And um, the answer is no, it was just it was just a mess. Ironically, for volume 28, they actually did publish it in the right sequencing order, so. It's you you read it from uh from right to left all the way through. Uh and um but by that point it's really too late. So anyway, that's another thing that I read and um all I can say is is that uh if a mortal hulk ends up resorting to emergency analingus after Al Ewing leaves, um I'm going to take credit for that. I'm going to take credit for that like nobody's business. Uh, Jason Aaron did 12 issues of Conan the Barbarian and then left. And I thought about canceling at that point, but I decided to see what Jim Zub would do in part because I think they're alternating arcs. And um, even though I don't like the art much, uh, I think that Zub's got sort of a very kind of clever Conan story um, in part because he he fleshes out the secondary characters, which seems like a smart choice since Conan is not a character who really gets to evolve. Yeah, basically. Yeah. Like fleshing out Conan sort of misses the point of Conan in many ways. And finally, I want to talk about volume one of blissful land, which uh, is done by uh, Ichimon Izumi um, and is a, a manga about um, essentially a 13-year-old doctor, uh, in a doctor in training in ancient Tibet who um, is 
basically obsessed with trying to learn how to become a doctor and helping the people in his village and ends up um, being having an incredibly beautiful uh, bride in arranged marriage. Uh, Mashi Rati comes and he is so clueless he doesn't even know that this is the woman who's supposed to be his wife for the first, you know, 30 some odd pages or so of the 192 page book uh it it's 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 one of it is a very sweet book one of the things i realized this week in reading what's great part of what's great about manga is because manga has never lost that kind of um emphasis on the educational uh aspect of uh comics um when you have a story where the dramatic high points are watching someone make a poultice, for example, or show you how to catch a beaver or something wait, like that. Wait, what are... No, just keep going. <laughs> Did I use the wrong word? You're, you're no, like... I know. I was just... Those two things together was... Uh, yeah, I... No, keep going. Okay. <laughs> for some reason... Poultice entertained me, and then when you added catching a beaver next to it, I was like, wait. <laughs> I can't explain it. I can't tell you, Jeff. Fair enough. Fair enough, Graham. Uh, uh, basically, there are other hooks to a narrative apart from uh, dramatic suspense, if you know what I mean. There can be some dramatic suspense, but like Blissful Land is one of those comfort mangas. I think I sort of... Uh, after school bitchcraft is, which I think I, I don't remember if I talked about in a previous episode that I, I read. I want to say you have, or at least you've told me about it because the title alone. Yes, you're like, is, yeah. yeah. I, I definitely remember, Jeff, you mentioning after school bitchcraft. Uh, but no, there was the, what was the story that I had digitally? I think I took it off of here where it was like four volumes of, uh, oh, my pink is overflowing. Where that's just like, there was, there was, nearly no drama in my pink is overflowing and similarly blissful land does its best <laughs> to really live up to that title it's like there's a young doctor and then he has a bride show up that's for his arranged marriage is he unhappy no he's pretty happy about it do they not get along no they hit it off really well is this cause him any sort of consternation no no not really so it's 192 pages of sweet characters being sweet to one another and every once in a while taking points to say to each other, you know what I really like about you? You're just so damn sweet. And it's just like, ah, like, that's lovely. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right. I was just like in these troubled times, I was like, oh, God, I really needed this. So after school, bitchcraft, by contrast, is actually more like, um, if you wanted to do a sexy reboot of Doctor Strange, like after school, and who doesn't? You know, honestly, Graham, there's a lot to be said for a sexy reboot of Doctor Strange. You know what I mean? Like you, you'd know darn well that Engelhart and Frank Bruner were a little too into this to to that idea. You know what I mean? But because it, it's always ever ever since Steve Ditko was like, hey. Here's a here's Clee, who's like you know your uh, 
strange, magical, otherworldly woman who, you know, is now your apprentice, but also your girlfriend, Dr. Strange. You know, there's a whole bunch of horn dogs that just aren't. Anyway, that, by the way, is more or less the um, the pitch for after school bitchcraft uh, is is basically the 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 sort of. Um, it's it's it, what if the story was told from Clee's point of view, more or less, once she started apprenticing to Doctor Strange. They, they, there's not the Dormammu stuff, but not yet. Anyway, I suspect it's coming. Uh, but yeah, so Blissful Land. I'm very much looking forward to reading volume two. I don't know how many volumes are actually out. Uh, f- for people who are interested, um, Kodansha is having a volume one cell, um, which I think I mentioned previously, um, like by which I mean like two weeks ago, because uh, our good old pal Dominic uh, turned me on to that. Um Good old friend, friend, oh, the podcast, Dominic L. Franco gave me the heads up on that. So I, th- I actually bought several volume ones. That was the only one that I have actually read. Uh, but if someone's interested, you can pick that up for just a f- mere couple of bucks digitally. Um, and hopefully will not be contributing to the fall of the direct market by doing so. So, oh, you you are you're you're contributing to the fall of the direct market. Well, everyone, yes, yeah. all of you, like just 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 know that. <laughs> also, I read the first three issues of Undiscovered Country, and I am profoundly uh, ambivalent about it. You know? I really like the first issue, and I'll be honest, I didn't read the second. <laughs> Let's see, I can see that. I can totally see that. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Honestly, one of the things that I'm going to look forward to in this uh, enforced shutdown that we're in is catching up on all the things that I genuinely did enjoy, and then just didn't read any more. Right, right, yeah, um, which, which is, is very, very easy. Apparently, I, mm-hmm. I've uh, I've spent a lot of this week reading stuff on DC Universe. I was like, oh, I read a couple of issues. This, this, this is all right. Why? Why didn't I read any further? And then just going, oh, it's it's fine, right? But again, like it's a it's a subscription service, and there's something completely okay about reading fine things. Yeah, if that makes sense. No, completely. You know? mm-hmm. Yep. Um, I I have I have uh, been retreating into issues of Legionnaires, the first few issues of Legionnaires from before the reboots. Mm. Uh, so they're all technically clones of the original Legion. Mm-hmm. But entirely ignored in the comic, and so they're just the young Legion in the comic, and it's just charming as shit. Uh, like really early Chris Sprouse art, mm-hmm. uh, you get Adam Hughes as fill-in artist mm-hmm. on a couple of visions, and then like the, the the you know the '90s really start happening, and and Sprouse and, and Hughes get pulled off to do bigger projects, probably at Marvel, and you start getting let's be honest, art that is nowhere near as good, and the book becomes infinitely less fun as a result mm. but those issues are really just lovely and and maybe this is just because i've seen more michael golden art now mm-hmm. i'm much more aware of like the debt that chris sprouse owes golden mm. like infinitely more aware Interesting. Uh, it's the same when i've been seeing like our adam stuff as well mm. i'm like oh yeah yeah you read a lot of my golden mm-hmm that mm-hmm. makes a lot of sense. Like, my golden is this incredibly influential artist. Mm-hmm. To, like, specific artists that I remember when I first saw their work, I was like, these guys are great. Right. right. I don't know where they've come from. <laughs> no, I do have, you know? Right. Um, 
No, but I have. I've been reading a, a lot, a, a lot of completely fine comics mm-hmm. on this universe and Marvel Unlimited right. recently. And there's been something incredibly relaxing to me about that. Mm-hmm. Uh, that it, especially because, you know, it has been, like I said, my work has been a lot of chasing people down and people being just, just like, I don't know. Mm-hmm. I no, I don't know what's going on. I don't, I, you know, there's something fun about going, well, kind of stressed. You know, the world's going to hell in a handbasket, but I can read, you know, insert 1990s comics that I read maybe two issues of and it's completely fine, but literally nothing special. Right. You know, you're like, sure. Mm-hmm. This, will, this will literally calm my brain down so that I can sleep. Right. right. You know, and therefore it's successful. Right. Um, so that's that's my takeaway for this week in terms of reading things. Uh, reading things that are entirely fine, mm. mm-hmm. not too exciting, not shit, but fine, right. just fine. Yeah. And there is a particular joy in that in and of itself. Yeah. I I should also mention uh, people who follow DC Universe uh, have been aware that um, the first issue specials and also. DC's Wanted, the world's most dangerous supervillains, issues of those two books have been dropping weekly. Hoopla has the DC's Wanted trade. Yeah, it's, it's got the collection up, right? Yeah, so the the full... For those who can't wait for the remaining issues of a reprint title. From the <laughs> 70s, a reprint title from the 70s, which is, drives me out of my mind. I have to say... I've been reading the trade. I'm like four or five issues in and they are um, really a lot of them are deeply silly comics, but it's kind of a, it's a very, the way that DC reprints in the seventies worked. It's a very fun little spread. Like there's silver age, green lantern and flash stories right next to like a kid eternity story, or there's this. I, I, I fucking love the reprint boots of like the, the late 60s and 70s yeah where where because it is that it's literally uh, like here's a dick sprang story here's a neil adams story here's a golden age story that they fucking cut up yes yeah and you're like yep this mm-hmm. is an absolutely wacky collection that does not make sense next to each other at all mm-hmm. and i love it because of that and they're all they always come up with like the dumbest you know these are all villains who use kites as gimmicks <laughs> yes and yeah. you're like, okay, sure. Like strange sports stories and stuff like that. I, I, I love them. I do love that sort of shit. Yeah. No, exactly. Exactly. So it's, it's very, it's very, it's a, it's a fun little trade. It's a fun little trade. I have to say that's also been, and of course, Nick Cardi did the new covers for each issue. And those are quite lovely yeah. too. Yeah. It's just I, I, I've got to say DC Universe is adding some great stuff right now. First mm-hmm. issue special is great. Yeah. You know, just this week did Dangers, uh, Dingbats of Danger Street, oh. which is great. Which means last week it did Manhunter, right? Which I so Manhun- I'm, the I'm Manhunter issue is amazing. Yeah, I would Manhunter love to see that. Mm-hmm. Such a joy. But like, it's also been uh, it's on it's adding Super Friends Weekly. Mm-hmm. It's adding the Spectre, the 1980 Spectre series weekly now. Yes. Um, like it's been adding Doorway to, uh, to Nightmare for a while. Yeah, and it's a mystery. Like it's been adding some some weird stuff. 
but I I love it. I yeah. genuinely love that it's been adding some of this this wackier things. It's it's a bummer to me that they have that the Lois Lane Jimmy Olsen stuff trailed off, and of course, part of me is like, it's my fault because I wasn't reading them every week. I got five six issues behind, and they're like, eh, fuck this. We'll do. We'll do black magic. I'm amazed how much DC's universe's releases really have a lot of 70s horror to them. You know, like it it's that kind of thing of I remember, you know, a few years back being able to look at the old reprint stuff that Marvel Unlimited was putting on there. And you could kind of speculate like, oh, I wonder if they're going to be doing something with Shang-Chi because all of a sudden there's a bunch of Master of Kung Fu comics in here, you know? Mm -hmm. And I don't necessarily know if DC has that kind of – it honestly feels like – I think it's more like this collection is coming up at some point, so we're probably going to see issues showing up. Exactly, which explains Wanted or First Issue Special and stuff like that. Is there a First Issue Special collection coming up? Uh, Yeah, I believe there is. I think that's why these are all being reprinted. I think someone – I apologize – awesome person in our comments who pointed out that there was a trade um was the was coming out that that's why they were showing oh my god yeah it is dc's first issue specials is coming out well was supposed to come out in april yeah right we'll we'll see if it does yeah issues one through 13 are going to be in a hardcover yeah that's really exciting Um, that's got to be lovely mm -hmm, mm -hmm. so yeah no i totally know what you mean that being said, Graham, I have to say, uh, in an effort for uh, my wife and I to not drive uh, one another crazy, it's it's not that hard. We actually like hanging out with each other. We're trying to do more to take our minds off of the crazy world outside. So recently, I think I told you, we saw Knives Out, which was terrific fun. Uh, Contagion, which was... I don't understand why people are watching like Contagion and Outbreak and stuff now. I don't get it. Jeff, why did you do it apart from the fact that like Netflix is like, have you fucking watched this? Um, that That's actually a really good question. The The fact that it was sort of like when things hit social media, I'm like, oh, maybe I'll check this out. Maybe not. But for whatever the reason, of course, the fact that everyone was watching Contagion made it onto Edie's radar. And she was like, you know. I kind of want to see it. And to be fair, I do remember seeing that trailer with her in the movie theaters back when it came out and us being like, yeah, that looks really scary, but we should see it. And Graham, I have to tell you, one of the things that's amazing when you watch Contagion is A, you're like, oh shit, nobody watched this movie because that Contagion is has so much shit in it that is like, like yeah. if, if people had watched it, this wouldn't be happening. Seriously, seriously. If as many people watched Contagion as had watched Ocean's Eleven, when this thing had started, when coronavirus reared its head, people would have been like, oh, fuck no. I know what to do, and I'm going to do it, and this and this. So the other thing that's hilarious about watching Contagion now is um, if you had watched Contagion a month ago, you would have been like, Oh, that's some scary shit. Wow, this makes you think. When you watch it this time, you're like, you can totally be like a Monday morning quarterback and be like, ah, I wouldn't have used that brand of hand sanitizer. You know what I mean? Like, you're totally like, mm, those masks aren't going to help you. Like, you know, just kind of like. Up, but like, I remember watching Contagion, of all things, on a plane. Uh huh. I watched Contagion on a plane. And I don't remember anything about it other than the fact that I would never fucking watch it now. 
Uh, how do you mean? Like the, the idea of watching any like virus shit now. Mm-hmm. No, what's really funny is like virus comics. Like there's so many fucking Judge Dredd virus comics, Jeff. Right. There's so many of them. Yeah. And I'm like, yes, give me that shit. Mm-hmm. Logmania, yes. Like right. Sin City, yes. Day of Chaos, yes. Give me, give me all of it. Give me all. Like I will fucking read all of that shit. Contagion movies? No. Right. Yeah, well, I mean, okay, so Contagion, the movie, has a lot of things in 2020 that are highly palatable. One of those things is watching Gwyneth Paltrow die. Um, and that <laughs> that is really worth the price of virtual admission right there. Like, let me tell you, that that really was... Gwyneth Paltrow plays a character, dies, and you're sort of like, uh, how are they going to top that? And it's true. They kind of can't. Um, you know, I have to say, I myself tend to get in a lot of, I, don't, I wouldn't say trouble, but I know I'm on the opposite end from a lot of my cinematic buddies in that Steven Soderbergh is to me kind of a, he's an impressively dull filmmaker, you know, like contagion once you got over the oh holy shit this is actually you know has so much relevance to us holy shit they just said social distancing oh wait kate winslet is writing stuff down in a board and blah 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 oh christ now we've got the situation where they're setting up hospital beds in like a a a gymnasium you know like that kind of weird um kind of you know one-to-one mapping is interesting but it's supposed to be kind of like a, you know, sort of that big disaster movie, all-star yeah, it's, cast it's, kind of thing. Yeah, like it's, yeah, you know. I, it, it's kind of like the 1970s film. Right? right. Yeah. It's supposed to be like, oh, this is kind of like uh, the Towering Inferno or the Poseidon Adventure. Here's an all-star cast and they all have their own little stories. But Soderbergh doesn't really care about those stories. Like, you know, and it just got chopped up. It was one of those things where they were like, oh, here I am ambitiously covering five different characters. But in order to sort of make this fall in a two-hour movie, none of those characters are going to have complete arcs. But you won't know that till the end when I start doing things that make you realize you're supposed to feel something but don't, you know? And that's, like, to me, that's kind of Steven Soderbergh-itis for me, is, like, a lot of his movies are that way. Anyway, but in terms of it being sort of... um, you know, in focus and like the performances are good, you know, and again, Gwyneth Paltrow, man, if you rent that movie, you can get through a couple of different viewings of her just totally like, like dying, dying painfully. And you're like, yeah, vajazzle that Gwyneth. So uh, what else? Uh, (laughs) Knives Out. Knives Out was fabulous. I really enjoyed that is a tremendous little film because that was we watched that relatively early in our um, uh, self sheltering in place. And on one of those days where we were both just scared, like the news was just scary. And so we sat down and watched that and it and was, it's such a fun film. Yeah, it's fun, and but it's also, I mean, you know, it's 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 literally a diversion. You know, it's like I did yes. not think about the outside world once during the mm-hmm. entire time it was mm-hmm. running because it's just mm-hmm. all about making you pay attention to all the little small fun details in it. 
So that was quite great. And then last week, or what? No, this week at one point we uh, we decided to watch RoboCop, which neither of us had seen in many oh, years. Oh, okay. I thought for a second you were saying neither of us had seen. It. I was like, Jeff, there's no way. Yeah, yeah. Actually, you know, I gotta say one of the things that's really funny is like rewatching RoboCop. Like I remember at some point people were like, "Quick, you know, name your favorite superhero movies that aren't you know from established." comic book universes and people are like oh nightman and i'm like uh oh, old boy fucking robocop is you know is really like you watch it and you're like yeah i think kevin feig was weirdly kind of a big fan of robocop because you know if nothing else <laughs> robocop totally has that thing of that every marvel movie of basically like you know the super villain is essentially the person with the same powers it's just you know, Ed 209 is such a better version of that in so many ways. Yes, yes. You know, yeah. but um, RoboCop is great, of course, and so weird in many ways. Oh, that's what I wanted to mention. Sorry. Let me jump back because Contagion, Contagion is a movie that, of course, you watch and you're like, oh, shit, like this really has our number in lots of ways because it's literally they the best thing about that movie is the fact that they did their research and the guys who were their top technical advisors so everything that's coming out of there like contagion is a much better source of information than the president of the united states about what's happening in this country and it's a made-up movie from 10 years ago you know so it's kind of like yeah. that's startling Speaking of which, we're about six, five episodes into Avenue Five. Are you familiar with it? I, I have finished it. I finished the first season. I oh, fucking love that show. That show is extraordinary. So don't spoil it for us, but I love it. It's fantastic. But we got to the episode where they thought that they were running out of oxygen. And there was mm -hmm. also they were going to have to like eliminate 500 non-essential personnel so they that there was always this stuff about what was and wasn't essential and at a certain point i was like oh shit this is so prescient for the covid19 crisis mm -hmm. yeah you know what i mean yeah. especially because i think avenue five was very smartly set up i mean it's a it's just a loving science fiction comedy that works on like a lot of different levels but it very clearly has a uh very post-trump take on the whole situation because you have uh josh josh gad who plays this unbelievable spoiled child who has absolute power as the person who is the the guy who literally runs the industry of that this the spaceship is, is running under um and but also how everyone around him are all pretenders like nobody really knows what they're doing they are all way in over their heads and half of the comedy genius is how the show continually finds ways to put them like like even further out into their own miserable straits of, of discomfort. But there was a certain point and admittedly, maybe the pot was helping where I was like, Oh, Oh my God, this is just like seeing the COVID 
crisis just totally emerge. Like, you know, people are going to die mm-hmm. and the person in charge is literally trying to figure out how to illuminate the shit that is circling the spaceship so that it looks like, you it, know. It, it, yeah, it's I, I can't wait for you to get to the end of the season, first mm-hmm. of all. Um, but I love that things like the illuminating shit is so great because it's a metaphor, but it's literally not a metaphor. Yes. Like we're saying illuminating shit. We, uh, for those who haven't seen the show, it's literally shit. Mm-hmm. The, the ship is uh, so big that when they accidentally jettison lots of, of human waste, it forms a ring that orbits the shit. <laughs> And they get so upset seeing it that they decide that if they basically if they shine pretty lights on it, everyone would go, "Oh, it's beautiful." Yes, yeah, which is, uh yeah. So and no. then, like, you, wait. So have you got the episode where they actually illuminate it or not? Because that's all one episode, right? Yes, that is that is. So yeah. So 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 it's. I'm not giving it away, but like, it works. Yes. <laughs> like yeah. they light up the shit, and everyone is like, "Oh, but look at it. It's kind of beautiful," which I fucking love. Yeah. Yeah, it really was great. That part was fabulous. It um, is so it's so funny and yet so astonishingly dark all the way through. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it, it really is a show where you're laughing and then you stop thinking what you're laughing at, you're like, Oh no, now I'm just sad. Right, exactly. I think that's part of the reason why we really can kind of only do two episodes at a go, essentially. Because the first episode is so hilarious, we're like, "Oh, we got to watch another one," and it's just as hilarious. But by that point, the level but of all, yeah, you're also like, "I'm feeling a little bit uncomfortable." Yeah, the darkness yeah, I, and I, cynicism I, in it is yeah, great. I'm glad I watched it weekly. Yeah, you know, I, I don't think I could. I don't think I could have done two episodes because I I really like it. But I also feel like I'd watched if I watched two episodes in a row, I'd be like, "Okay, but people are terrible." Yes. Yeah. 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 No. Absolutely. So that that's also a fabulous little bit of for people who like want a a, a really impressively on the nose metaphor uh, about our our current times, but don't want to see I don't know Jude Law run around in a garbage street on the streets of San Francisco. Um, that's Pope, right? What's that? That's no, no, Pope, right? Never mind. No, okay, sorry. No, I know. I know. <laughs> that's really Never funny. Mind. Oh, sorry, Graham. I didn't mean to step on your joke because that's hilarious. <laughs> Season three of the new Pope. Uh, yeah. So, so those are my viewing habits. Oh, anyway, back to RoboCop and in its weird way, um, Graham, Judge Dredd. Judge Dredd. Yeah, exactly. Because it is. It's a Judge. It's a Judge Dredd film. Do you think so? It's so yeah. funny. I. Hmm. I, I think it's really a Judge Dredd film. And I'm not even saying that in the sense of, like, you know, how dare they steal from it. I, like, it, it's just a Judge Dredd film. That's uh, – how do I put it? So that... Someone someone had a uh, Twitter thread where they literally had, like, lines of dialogue and then the 2080 covers were Dredd had said them. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. that would be great. That would be great. Because there is a little bit that's kind of um... – I don't know. I was just lost. I when I was rewatching it, of course, I'm like, okay, now that I'm really super immersed in Judge Dredd, like I can finally, I'm finally going to see all the the clever little, you know, through lines that, comparisons. That... And everyone's talked about it, you know, that it's yeah. like it's a major influence. The screenwriters have admitted it and everything. And then I watched it and I was like, yeah, sure, yeah, but it's not. No, I I, yeah. I think it, I really think it is. That mm-hmm. said, I ha- I haven't seen Robocop in at least two decades. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, probably longer, probably shit. When did RoboCop come out? Uh, RoboCop, Jesus, uh, came out in 87. 89? I want to say. 87. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. yeah, so I mean, because I, I, I saw it on... I guess it would have been VHS. It wouldn't even be DVD. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You yeah. know, like when it came out videos, it was my point. Um, right, right. Yeah, I haven't seen it since. But I remember even at the time just being like, let's just try it. Right. <laughs> um, yeah. I, I That was something else I read this week, which mm-hmm. is uh, Case Files 14. Ooh, you bastard. Just because just I – yeah, well, I, honestly, I was just – it's two things. One, I was just so excited after The Last Rock. Mm-hmm. And two – I have it. Like, I have it in print. Ooh, that's nice. And so it was, uh, it was like, uh, well, why not? I've also been talking about some weird things to reread in print. Um, Judge, uh, Justice League, the Detroit era, which is the, the hardcover collection of all the Detroit League. Yeah. Yeah. I, um, I have to say, that Graham. Stuff, that stuff, A, has not aged well right. at all. And B, I love it even more because of that. I was about to say. I, I mean... That's one of the funny things about this episode. I mean, about our podcast is it, literally any other person on the planet saying like, hey, you know what I read? Judge, Judge Justice League, the Detroit era. But from you, I'm like, well, of course. Of course. Exactly. Of and course, of course you loved it. it. Yeah, exactly. Because yeah. it's, it's, it's weirdly my shit. Yeah, I get like, it. Like it shouldn't be, but it really is. Yeah. It, it's, um, it's. B slash maybe C grade comics, mm-hmm. and yet I read them at exactly the right age. Mm-hmm. I get to it now, and I'm like, "Oh man, <laughs> look at this entirely generic George Tuska filling art." Oh man, oh, great! Yeah. Oh man, Luke Luke McDonald comes on, and he's just like he's he's not nailing that page at all. <laughs> You know, it's that. It's really that, right? Like you know, he yeah. could have staged that so much better. Exactly. Oh, look how rushed he was on this page. This is fucking great. Yep. Or um, Dematis takes over like six issues before the end, mm. and clearly does not give a shit about what Conway was doing. <laughs> That's great. In such a great way that you're like, oh, look at the complete break and everything that Conway was trying to do. <laughs> It's so great. Like, I'm so glad I was getting invested in all these subplots that would never be fucking mentioned again. <laughs> this is great. I'm so glad this plot has turned into like I am James Manius and I've not worked out I write funny yet, and so I'm going to do like the weird spiritual mysticism bullshit. Mm, love it. Yes, in Justice League Detroit, no less. That's just going to be awesome. Well, it, it, so you haven't read this stuff? No. And if I never give you homework, you give me homework in this podcast all the time. I never give you homework, <laughs> but I'm going to now. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Reads Conway's last issue and Dematis' first issue. Mm. Because Conway is setting up, Zatanna is has discovered a cult of this like um, like mystical leader who is clearly a villain, mm-hmm. and it ends with like her getting like kidnapped or, or defeated or something. Mm. And like Conway's clearly setting up like she has to be saved, right? Right. And Dematis comes on with what can only be described as trademark Dematis mysticism bullshit. <laughs> that that. Because, I mean, you've read his Defenders, right? Oh, of course. Yeah. No, you, know, no, no, no. you know exactly what I'm talking about. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Very clearly has a, like, 
I'm really trying to get to the, like the soul of humanity, mm-hmm. and it it reads terribly. Mm-hmm. Um, so he does that with Justice League Detroit. See, that's where <laughs> I'm like, oh my god! Like, yes, right. It yeah. just it it 100 does not work. 100 percent, yeah, does not work, and it's all the better for it. Of course. Of course, yeah. I mean, that's that. Oof! Isn't Don Heck does some some start art for that, right? Or no? Is he? No, it's no, Tuska. Tuska. Don Heck does Justice League before that era. Oh, okay. He does He's... like the, the like about six issues in the middle of like maybe like two ten through two twenty somewhere in there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Maybe I'm getting confused because didn't he draw like Steel series or something like that? Is that he, part he of what's did the original off? Steel series? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Maybe that's why I'm like, I like no, Graham. I totally remembered like very undynamic Don Heck drawings of. St- oh wait, it's probably at the actual Steel series. Never mind. Yeah. No. Yeah. Mm, that's got to be added to DC Universe at some point. They've got to be like, mm, do you want this like really? forgotten shit from the 70s we're giving you black magic but what if we give you steal the indestructible man you know one of the things that bums me out about dc universe is sort of looking at stuff and this sort of comes up in marvel universe is the stuff that will never be there because it was licensed work that is expired like i know oh god i mean it's never going to show up but if rom or micronaut showed up in marvel unlimited i'd lose my mind well of course you would you totally lose your shit and by the same token if Atari Force showed up on DC Universe, we'd both lose our minds. Mm-hmm. And even though, because of Black Magic and uh, Wanted, um, it which I didn't read as a kid, but they were in the ads for the books that I that I were re- I was reading. And sure, I think yeah, I, yeah. I tweeted like because of how things happened uh, this week, there were like. Two cover, two Michael Kaluta covers, like yeah, yeah, which was great. Like I'm like, man, that never happened in the actual newsstand. But I just had this sudden pang of like, oh, I want to read those DC Shadow stories from the 70s, like when it was Denny O'Neill and Kaluta. They're not. I think I want to say the Batman issues are on there. Uh, are they interesting? Okay, I'll have to look for that because I, which makes sense. But I think the Shadow series, I want to say when Dynamite got the license, I think they reprinted those in a in a trade, maybe. maybe? Yeah, all I know is I know that I think Doc Savage is on DC Universe. Really weirdly. No, really. Well, oh, yeah. but the '90s one, right? Not. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, the, the uh, I'm I'm looking to see if Doc Savage really is on here. If I'm imagining, I thought I saw that as well, which was kind of mind blowing. Yeah, Doc Savage. The, the the 2010 series of Doc Savage is on there. Yeah, which is which, which is just nuts. Yeah, yeah, very very strange, right? So part of me would love to see those those Shadow comics from the 70s. I mean, honestly, there's a lot of decent Shadow stuff that <laughs> that went, that like if it's not being you know not reprinted because they lost the license i think didn't gerard jones do like a long run with eduardo barreto yeah yeah for the Here, okay I, here's my here's my gerard jones thing i have long been mm-hmm. of the theory that like we'll just never see that shit right because they don't want to give them the royalties right but they've announced a second omnibus of justice league international 
mm. uh, for later this year, which has like half of his Justice League Europe run in it. Right, right. So maybe they're softening on that? Maybe. Well, it's, or, it, yeah. it was a big surprise when I saw that. Because if you look right now, Justice League Europe on this universe has all of his all of the issues before his run, and then it just stops. Mm, right. Despite the fact like, it crosses over into the Justice League International issues, which are there. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, it's... it's I So I just assume, because they don't have any of these Green Lantern issues, which were once available digitally. Yeah, like, I, I bought I bought his Green Lantern stuff on Comixology before his conviction, mm. and then literally they disappeared. No. They pulled them? Yeah. Oh, yes. I've never known them to do that before. That's yeah. crazy. Mm-hmm. Wow. Huh. Um, yeah, so... Well, I mean, there is there is arguably a case to be made that, A, the man's in prison, so it's not really like, you know, so he gets, you know, he's he's able to buy more soap or whatever nightmarish conditions are happening in prison these days. But, you know, there are other people, like part of me is like, it'd be nice to see uh, Eduardo Barreto's family get cash from those right? reprints. Yeah, you know. Like that was that was Barreto doing some amazing work there. Oh, anyway, so all of which is to say, yeah, DC Universe strange, and once again, <laughs> Graham and Jeff are surprisingly morally flexible when it comes to uh, ethical yeah. decisions, as long as they get yes. their comics. Yeah, we in that respect, we are comic book fans. <laughs> oh, so much. So so very much. sadly sadly true yeah but no yeah. It, it's uh, I, I've I've enjoyed reading old shit mm-hmm. as an escape this week yeah. I've enjoyed watching TV as an escape as well mm-hmm. uh, like besides Avenue I'm literally thinking what I've been watching besides Avenue Avenue Five Avenue Five that's what it's called yeah right? Avenue Five yeah strange name I've yeah. used the, the the musical yes. um let's see what have I been watching oh, I watched the HBO um. After Truth documentary, which was depressing as shit, but very good. Oh, okay. Have you? Do you know about it? No, I know about it, but I've not watched it. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's it's the documentary about. I'm saying this for the benefit of listeners, not for you, because you know about it, Jeff. Um, about fake news mm-hmm. and about the the impact it's had and the way it has spread. And there's nothing surprising in there. There's nothing that I didn't know. Mm-hmm. But just watching it in like, you know, that hour and a half spread where they're like, okay, but this is what happened. You're like, fuck. Yeah. People are fucking stupid, but of course they are. Right. You know? Yeah. Um, I, I, what's really annoying is like, I know I've watched something that I want to talk to you about and I cannot think of what it is for the life of me. Was it, was it, uh, was it one of those... Uh, one of those is it is is it love island is it one of the Brit no, reality it's not, shows no it's, it's no it's not um and it's not high fidelity which i've talked to you about off the podcast but yes. for people on the podcast i really like the hulu high fidelity show yes i really really enjoyed it um shit what was it it's completely gone it'll come back to me when we're not recording and i'll be like oh fuck right. it was blah 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 people there's lots of television out there just just watch good stuff there you know i did watch last week uh-huh the, like the 1940s or 1950s danny k show oh really that's why for some reason like there's episodes of that on amazon oh huh. 
And it was great. Wow, really? You really miss that sort of show. Mm. Like the variety show, Mm -hmm. where it's literally like, we do some shitty jokes. We do some shitty sketches. Here's a celebrity, and now here's a song. Mm-hmm. You know, like mm-hmm. there's something about that. And also, the, uh, this sounds like a really strange thing to say, the ambition of it. There was a skit which was, um, everyone knows the song Take Me Out to the Ball Game, but what if Take Me Out to the Ball Game was done in the style of three modern musicals? Mm. The middle one is literally a silent dance routine in Sondheim's West Side Story style. Mm. When you're watching, you're just like, this is genuinely amazing. Yeah, right. Like the orchestration, the arrangement, but the dance that you're do- they're doing, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. like, was was breathtaking. And it's there for, like, a, you know, a three-minute skit. Right, right. And I was just like, yeah, I, like, I want more shit like this. Um, I've been watching Breeders on Hulu and Devs on Hulu, but I haven't seen Devs for a while because it, it, it overwhelmed me. Yeah. Um, but Breeders is fun. Mm-hmm. Breeders is it's the, the Martin Freeman sitcom about uh, about parents and, mm-hmm. and basically parents being shitty human beings, mm-hmm. uh, which is which is very enjoyable because of that. Um, but its most recent episode is a really fucking great piece of writing mm-hmm. uh, because it's uh, it distracts you, but you realize like in the second half that they set everything up in the first half. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, the father-in-law is staying with the, the, the parents and their two kids. The kid's gerbil dies, and the parents get in an argument with the father-in-law because he's like, well, no one really dies if you carry them in your heart. Mm. Um, and at the same time, the, the mother calls the, her father by his name, not dad or, or anything like that. Mm-hmm. This, this, the son, the kid, is now calling his dad by his name as opposed to dad, which he finds annoying. Mm-hmm. And then the father-in-law dies. Oh, wow. Like, he's in a car accident and he just dies. And you realize that the kids are now respond- going, well, he's not dead. Mm-hmm. Because he's in our hearts. Mm-hmm. And the and Martin Freeman's character has to deal with this. Well, at the same time, his, dad, his kid is refusing to call him dad. Oof. And, like, he's dealing with that loss as well. Wow. This is really fucking smart. Like, this yeah. is really well done. Yeah, yeah, that's really, yeah. really clever. Wow. Yeah, it, it, it's, 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 and it's, it's been a fun show until now, but, like, this episode, this most recent episode in particular, is just, like, an incredibly good piece of writing. Mm. You know? Um, God, I can't remember the other thing was. It will come back to me, or it won't. <laughs> I appreciate you covering are, are all you your nuts? bases there. Yeah. Are you also going nuts in this time of social distancing, Jeff? Uh, yes, absolutely. Um, in which way do you mean, however? No, I, like, has, has for me, things have been odd. And it sort of got to, like, the middle of the week. And I was like, oh, like, I, I, I'm, I've been uh, impacted by this more than I thought. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, and I like, and, and even just thinking that like made me feel better, right? right. Um, and I then I read this thing this week, um, where it was basically saying, you know, people are dealing this with this really poorly, and people are dealing with this badly. But one of the things that can alleviate stress and alleviate anxiety is just admitting to people mm. you've been struggling with it, right? 
Right. Because it makes them feel better because they've been struggling with it but not wanting, you know, that sort yeah. of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I'm curious because like, I, I have been – and I've not been having a terrible time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But I have been struggling and I'm wondering if you've been struggling too. Oh, yeah. Very much so. I, um, I am – I have just been perennially exhausted. I think – Last week was more of the, oh shit, I'm, you know, asymptomatic and I'm going to become symptomatic and it's going to kill me kind of thing. And this week there's been much less of that because we've more or less been in the house for two weeks. I'm about as tired as I was before. I think what's bothering me is mostly just allergies and being overwhelmed with all of this stuff um the anniversary of my dad's death uh happened uh on the 24th and bless her heart like Edie tracked it and i didn't and so she sort of mentioned it like hey you know what today was i'm like oh oh shit my dad uh which i don't know if you knew grandma i'm sure i mentioned it but it don't wouldn't be surprised if you didn't retain it. My dad was a professor of microbiology, among other things. And, um, but he, you know, his big degree was PhD was, uh, in microbiology. And so I have this very weird, like I find myself having weird, um, thoughts about him. It literally first started as a, well, thank God dad's dead because this coronavirus would have killed him, you know, which is just such yeah, a yeah. weird way to think about things. But also knowing him because he was a dude, like that was a guy who had read Michael Crichton's The Andromeda Strain like half a dozen times, you know, yeah, and yeah. just would be so into uh, Monday morning quarterbacking yeah yeah he would have been fascinated by what's actually happening what's actually happening how we're handling things what people should be doing that i'm i'm sort of sorry he's not around um i feel crazily um like again just exhausted for a lot of the day but time is just there's this weird groundhog day like feeling (laughs) you know what i mean like earlier this week I, I think it was like Wednesday. Mm-hmm. Chloe's like, I can't. I I thought it was Friday, and then I realized it's not Friday. Mm-hmm. And then she goes, "But Friday doesn't mean anything anymore." Yes, exactly. <laughs> it literally doesn't. Like, part of me is really glad that I've had a day today where I didn't have to log on and work remotely. But by the same token, apart from that, it's more or less felt identical. Like, you know, and the quality of my life is technically pretty good. Like, Edie and I are still working. Because I'm working from home, I get up and she and I will go for a walk. Like, things are getting a little sucky because it looks like some of the park trails are going to have been closed down um, to to keep social distancing up, which is kind of hard, you know. So first we had the Marine Reserve, which we live near close, but then we still had access to that, um, this amazing grove of trees. And now that's closed. And we think the trail that allows us to basically get to the other side of things without having to walk on the highway is 
hopefully will be open. But if it's not, we're going to have to figure out what the hell we've been doing about that. But we've been taking these like beautiful walks along the coastline and seeing like, you know, an entire mountain range, you know, draped in like fog and dew. And it's just all. And I've, then been I'll... Enjoying, I've been enjoying you just tweet photographs every now and again. Now. Oh, good. Yeah. You saw those. Yeah. I'm glad. I'm glad. I, I They don't get a lot of response per se. So I'm like, eh, I'm just going to do it anyway, you know. But yeah, it's like that stuff from our walks. And it's just really beautiful. And then I come, I work, I work from home. I'm able to work. Work has mostly been pretty quiet, but I managed to get everyone, you know, help make that transition. So people are there. So um, so it's all technically my, the quality of my life is not bad. It's, but there's something about this strange sort of slice of sameness every day. It's like that is, I mean, it's, it's yes, but also the quality of your life is not bad, but it's also different or weird or off somehow. Right. Right. You're like, that's, that's what I'm feeling mm-hmm. like there's nothing wrong right except that there's everything wrong yes and it's it's the small things mm-hmm. the weirdest thing is um so obviously a lot of business like i i live a block away from from a lot of businesses right mm-hmm. from a lot of restaurants and bars right and obviously the majority of them are not closed yeah the weirdest thing is a it's so quiet mm-hmm. it's so quiet and it's not normally mm-hmm. but b one of the bars is like full on boarded up, mm-hmm. like full on boarded up. Yeah, like it like it went out of business six months ago, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and the place is derelict. Mm-hmm. And it happened overnight, mm-hmm. you know. And it that's weird. Yeah, you know, talk about time feeling like it's drifting. Right, and something like that happens overnight as well. You're like, but wait. Mm-hmm. And just those small things are the things that that really do trip you up enough that you're like, you know, I'm fine, mm-hmm. but things aren't fine. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah. So there's kind of a weird. There's so many weirdness parts of that, and that that is. Again, I feel I really realizing how incredibly fortunate I am to be where I'm at in this particular place and time. And yet there's also a very strange, like you said, that that feeling. It's it's almost like the, um, I don't know, the first 20 minutes of the Matrix or something. Just that feeling that like something's not right and also, there's a, a slight feeling of entrapment or something, you know, and that's literally. Yeah, of course. I mean, the, well, but the thing that's kind of strange is I was like, yeah, I, I could get my car and go, you know, pick up some stuff at the store. And of course, now, like this week, I really made it a point to not to to absolutely minimize any sort of traveling into environments where yeah, I'm interacting yeah, yeah. with other people. And and on the one hand, I think that's good because there's been a lot less of the, oh, Jesus, what is this, this dry cough? What does this, this mean? Am I going to start bleeding from the eyes? You know, but, but, the, but the strange, the really strange flip side of that is, yeah, that feeling of, of yeah, of feeling, of feeling like, um, 
you know, like the, the prisoner in the village, you know, it's kind mm-hmm. of like, I see these people and I wave to them from a distance and we're all very pleasant, but we can't get near one another. And we don't really know each other that well. Cause we, Edie and I just moved here. So it's, yeah, there's just this weird form of stasis that feels strangely. And, you know, I'm a, I'm a slothful guy. I'm a slothful guy. Who's like a creature of habit. If there was no, no thing, nothing going on. The only thing that I would have been doing differently is I would have been taking Bart to work, but, you know, and I probably would have been reading the same comics or spending as absolutely as much time fucking off with my iPad as before. But be, but now that it's all, everything has moved from, you know, a movie to a um, one set play, it's feeling, it feels, it feels dramatically different, you know? So, yeah. yeah. Yeah, so yeah, it, it, it's it's funny. You just said prisoner. I was like, "Fuck, that's what I should rewatch." Yeah, I've watched the prisoner in a long time. You know, I would love to watch it now. That would probably be pretty great to watch at this time for a variety of reasons. Um, yeah, not the least of which is it's great. So, yeah, hmm. I wonder who's got it. What it used to? Is it on streaming? I can't remember. I, I have, feel like I have somebody no idea had it for a while. Um, I honestly have no idea, but hmm. um. Yeah, that's a great show. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, Graham uh, McMillan, uh, thank you for asking. Thank you for saying that you've not been doing well. I, too, have not been doing well, although I feel weirdly I, like... I mean, I, I feel we're both doing fine. Yes, you know, like, right. Because mm-hmm. you say you're not doing well, but at the same time, like, people are doing badly. Yes. You know, like, we both still have jobs. Right. You know? Right. We're both still working. We're both still healthy. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. In the grand scheme of things, we're fine. We're doing great. But but on the other hand, in terms of everything about uh, the news is so genuinely depressing for a lot of the stuff that we talked about in the first hour. This idea of like things are changing. We have no control over how they're going to change. And frankly, most of the people in charge are not it's just it's 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 just it's got a kind of that's where it is the personal like if i didn't have access to the news or didn't look at the news and to be honest i've been trying to minimize that but um i can in fact i did have a few moments of just genuine like pity and awe for your ability to retain your sanity considering how much of your job is looking at what's going on in the world yeah, it's been hard. Yeah. It's like, I can't lie. It's mm-hmm. been hard. Mm-hmm. And because I, I really do it for the wire thing that runs on, on, like, it runs on Saturdays, but my deadline is Thursday. Mm-hmm. And Thursday is such a weird day for me mm-hmm. because, like, I do, I basically research it, mm-hmm. you know, on and off Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. And then Thursday, from waking up to, like, I try and get in by 9 a.m. Mm. Uh, for for various reasons, it didn't always used to be the case. But I try and get in really early on 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 Thursdays now, um, and it's so weird because in order to finish it off, I basically spend a long time doing like a relatively deep dive into the news. Right. And on the one hand, you know, if you want to know what's going on in the world, ask me on Thursday morning <laughs> because I know. Right. But on the other hand. 
it's generally the day where I feel slightly insane and also slightly sick of people. I bet. You know? Because it's like, now I know just a bit too much about how shitty people have been. Mm, mm. Um, yeah, it's, it's a weird, weird thing. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I, I know what's going on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but like I said, I kind of have that, you don't have the luxury of... Of not. Yeah, of not. And there are times where the, this last couple of weeks where that does feel like a genuine luxury, you know, so. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, yeah, it's strange. There are times where I want to, I mean, the, the flip side of that is pretty much from Thursday through Sunday, theoretically, I could not. Mm-hmm. But honestly, like Saturday and Sunday, I wake up and I read the news. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know? It's just it's it's what I do, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm not sure it's necessarily healthy, but it is what I do. Yeah, yeah, I'm I am aware, and that uh, that sums up a lot about these times. I think I, you know I don't mean that in in any sort of hopefully hopefully it doesn't come off as glib, but I mean no, yeah. that's fine. Yeah, just just fine. Just be like that. <laughs> I I just mean like I totally know. Yeah, yeah. It's like yeah. It's like it's not healthy, but I'm doing it anyway. I say as I open Twitter for the fifteenth time. Yeah, I've got. I do have to say, like, I think I said this on the podcast. I definitely told you, like, Mm -hmm. about a month ago, three weeks ago. Mm -hmm. Like, I was just done with Twitter. Mm -hmm. Like, Twitter really did seem one hundred percent like a cesspool. But again, because I do this thing for Wired, I have to look at Twitter. Right. Um, and it, but it, it was, uh, like, you know, we kind of fucking deserve all this disaster, Mm. you know, Mm -hmm. like we can't, we, we cannot get out of our own way. Mm -hmm. We will, you know, we will persistently create problems and complaints and, and yeah, it's, I, we said this is, this is going to get very dark. Because I've said this to Chloe, and Chloe's like, that's a bit too dark. We consistently, I think you and I have even done this in the podcast, like finish the year and being like, this is the year. Yeah, right. That things are going to fucking turn around. And it consistently gets worse. Yep. And it feels genuinely darkly hilarious to me. Mm-hmm. Finished last year and you and me were like, oh, but come on. Like, it's got to get better in 2020, right? <laughs> and it's like, what about a fucking pandemic? Yeah. What about yeah. fucking pandemic? It's going to kill millions. <laughs> Actually, you know what's funny is so I I feel because you and I talked about this. I think my feeling was a little bit different. Like 2016, 2017, 2018, those were all years where I finished it being like, thank God that's years over. I can't I can't handle anymore. Like next year's basically the next year has got to be better than this. And yes. And 2019 was actually the first year where I did not Your say... 2019 was not horrendous. Well, I mean, that that was part of it. But, you know, I honestly, I think part of it was... Um, I've, and this is where the irony really kicks in, is I was like, yeah, I, you know what? I'm... I'm I'm through being a big old baby about it, you know? Like 2019 like I'm a hardened warrior. Like 2020 go ahead, try and shit on me. 
and and then twenty twenty. I I will. Right, like oh, challenge accepted, my friend. Guess what? It's not even April yet. You know, and it's just like oh, oh, that was a huge mistake on my part. So so exactly. yeah, yeah. A funny story. Yeah, exactly. Nice. So you're to blame, is what you're saying? Yes, yes. In case people were looking for a scapegoat, good news. It's me, and um, you know where to find me. So, oh my God, that's such a great segue for me to be like, you can find him. <laughs> <laughs> Jeff has a Twitter. I'd leave you. Do it now's the time, Graham. You're a genius. Oh Lord, well, that segue uh, is on a platter. And nor- well, actually, this time where normally I'm like, we're doing a pod- podcast. We're I've got to look at the calendar. Uh, yeah. What? How is that? I think this. I well, that's because next week would be the first one of April. Right, right. And so we, we, in fact, Jeff, you have already taken care of this. Do you know this? You have. We are doing one next week. Yes, that's yeah. it. That's what we're doing. We will be back with a wait one next week. Um, before then, I have to tell you that you are going to find show notes for this episode at waitwhatpodcast.com. And because it's Jeff doing it, it won't be quote unquote sometime Monday. He'll get them up at the same time he gets the episode up because that's the motherfucker he is. He is on top of his shit. <laughs> Jeff Lester, ladies and gentlemen, except no substitutes, by which I mean me doing drop. <laughs> Just saying. Um, we have uh, Instagram that I said I'd going to do something on and that didn't happen, but you know, I was too busy calling DC and Marvel. Um, yeah. Uh, that's instagram.com forward slash wait what pods we are on tumblr wait what pod.tumblr.com we have a twitter account at wait what podcast jeff has a twitter account at lazy bastard at l-a-z-y-b-a-s-t-i-d and i have a twitter account at graham m at g-r-a-e-m-e-m and we are a patreon supported podcast mr jeff lester do your thing. Yes. Uh, well, my thing is basically um, thanking you guys for doing your thing, which is listening to us. Um, it it manages to, to keep us uh, inspired and connected. I, I have to say that I really was afraid that this set today was going to roll around and Graham and I, I was basically going to have to be discussing um, various uh situations that happened to me while replaying Grand Theft Auto San Andreas on my iPad. I'm so glad that I did not have to resort to that. And Whereas I feel bad that we missed that. Uh, you're not missing much. I'm hoping at some point there will be something to break down about that. But I think, I think what I said a few weeks ago, which was basically uh, it's surprisingly liberating uh, to run around a virtual city now. Like in a way that was always kind of fun before, but uh, especially with Grand Theft Auto San Andreas, where they build up a little mini mock-up of San Francisco. Because I've now, for the first time in, you know, 30 years or something, have am no longer living in San Francisco. Yeah. So sheltering in place plus not being in that city, being able to run around as a protagonist uh, with like, two submachine guns wearing his underwear on his head is, is, is just seems natural. It does. It feels, it feels like the wish fulfillment. It's my secret dreams come true. Um, presented in on the screen, which is, uh, great anyway, because you guys, um, listen to us and give us really amazing, super sharp and smart feedback, uh, be it on Twitter or the Patreon page or over on um, 
uh, on our Wait What podcast page. Um, I definitely know that I am a better, smarter person as a result of that. And I should also mention that the people at Patreon who throw us a little bit of their hard-earned dosh have also made me a much more informed reader. I have now made it through 13 years of Judge Dredd, and it's what an amazing wild ride that is. Uh, to say nothing of the first 416 issues, did we ever figure out how many years that was of the Fantastic Four that we read over the course of those 50 episodes, Graham? It was, it was basically 30 years, right? Like 63 yeah. to 93 or something like that? I'd be on that, like 96 maybe? Was it 96? No, because it ends before Heroes, oh, is Heroes Reborn 96? Yeah, it wasn't it. It must have been. It must have been because it was after like the the market crashes in '94, more or less. Um, the image guys leave in like '92, '93. Anyway, thirty years is Fantastic Four, uh, which um, really comes in handy when it's time to um, raise a dismissive eyebrow at, uh, at I don't know Galactus storylines. I'm I'm not sure where I was going with that. Graham, I have to say, did you like that first trade of Doctor Doom as much as you seems? Did yeah, somebody I, on I really, I, you I do really like it. I yeah. do really like it. Yeah. Is it is it it's a good take on Doom? You would say like you would for it is, it is a good take on Doom that for me manages to or at least mostly manages to put classic Doom together with the one that's been in Marvel Comics for a while. Oh, good. Well, that's a right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Where, you know, they do, they did try to um, redeem him, but also like give him depth. Honestly, I'm not sure I want to see him do. I know. Right. You know? Yeah. Um, but can't, well, we're talking about the, the Doctor Doom series that's out from Marvel right now. The first trade just came out um, this week. Um, I recommended it on in the THR newsletter, which is what Jeff's referring to. Um, Cantwell, I think, understands like how uh, egotistical and wonderfully dumb that Doom is. Right. Like the original Doom. Yes. And I kind of love that. Right. <laughs> Right. I well, I of course love his egotism. The dumb thing is always kind of uh, up for. You like ridiculous doom a little bit more than I do, but it's interesting knowing that, that I when I, you saw that, I was like, hmm, gotta remember to check in with Graham. Glad that I did. Sorry, it's in the closing comments, everyone. Um, we're super super grateful to uh, everyone, the people uh, who listen to us, the people on Patreon who throw us Dosh, Dominic L. Franco. Empress Audrey, Queen of the Galaxy, uh, for their continuing support of this podcast. And in the case of uh, Empress Audrey, also uh, the galaxy itself. Exactly. The gala- Without Empress Audrey, the galaxy itself would no longer exist. Yeah, basically. So if you think about it, we all owe, owe her a big, big, huge uh, thank you. But, you know, Graham and I make it a point to do that every episode. So you don't have On to. On your behalf, yeah. Yeah, you're welcome, you're welcome. everyone. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh lord um okay we are going to be back in a week uh honestly who knows what shape our minds are going to be in by then who knows what comics we're going to have read by that point yeah who knows where the comic industry is going to be Jesus by that point God, no kidding <laughs> on that apocalyptic note 
um, uh, before I do the, the, the bye at the end, uh, be safe. Uh, stay inside. Wash your hands. Uh, don't do anything dumb. Don't like run into supermarkets and start licking everyone. That would be really bad. I really thought Jeff was going to say something, and he didn't. He's completely silent. I, I'm like, yes. no, that's fine. That's I like going just... forward, Graham, or is that like? I mean, is there a statute of limitations on that? Like, you know, uh, it's such a least, rapidly changing at situation least for the foreseeable. Okay, um, I'm going to I'm going to institute. Uh, let's just say, like, for, at least for the next six months. Okay. Agreed? Okay, I, I I will do my best to live up to that. Yeah, well, you especially. I mean, we all know about you. Hey, Jeff. <laughs> yes, Graham. Bye. <laughs>